0: Hi, and welcome to In Search of Insight, Nootropics Depot's monthly podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and sitting next to me is our product specialist, Emil. Hey, everyone. Today, we are back with episode 23, for real this time, of the In Search of Insight podcast, and we're looking forward to talking with you about a very well-known supplement, something that Emil and I have both taken quite a bit from time to time, which is Bacopa Monieri. We're going to be talking about the different varieties of Bacopa products that we offer with Nootropics Depot and their effects. We're going to be talking about why some people respond differently to our stronger standardizations of Bacopa extracts versus our newest Bacopa product, which is Cognance. And of course, Emil, being the formulator of Cognance, is going to tell us all about why that is happening. But before we get into that, we are going to start by taking the Bacopa.
1: Yes. And for this episode, the main focus is actually going to be on our, what we call generic Bacopa. So... For a long time, we sold patented Bacopa extracts, such as Synapsa and Bacognize, but we wanted to have a Bacopa extract that had significantly higher bacocyte levels, uh, and that just didn't really exist on the market. So we went out and made our own Bacopa extract, which we call Bacopa, well, we don't call it Bacopa, but in the Reddit spheres, it's become known as BACOPA 24%. That's referring to the fact that it has 24% back asides by HPLC, UPLC testing methodologies, which we'll touch on in a little bit as well. That's quite important. But for now, we'll be taking this one. I believe just in terms of regular BACOPA, this is for sure our strongest one and i've been taking it every day for the last i think month and a half now coming off of many months with cognance because i wanted to see what does normal bacopa do that cognance doesn't and what does cognance do that normal bacopa doesn't erica has also done that test but you've had to abort that test and we will get into reasons why in a second But because I am taking it regularly, I'm going to take a little bit of a higher dosage. I've also seen some reports on Reddit that people are saying they get very nice mood boosting effects with a higher dose. So I will take two tablets. Okay. Do you want to take one or two?
0: I'm going to take one tablet.
1: Okay. So we're going to take our doses of the specopa,
0: and we're going to feel what the effects are like over the course of the podcast. So you might see our behavior change a little bit or maybe not. Our speech might change, but we'll share with you exactly what we're feeling as the podcast goes on. And cheers to your two dos. Cheers to your my single dos. All right, so before we get started talking about Bacopa, we are also going to address the strange looking elephant in the room, <laughs> which are <laughs> I our Zoom migrants. Yeah, I'm glad okay. you did.
1: Awesome. Um, We've been having some issues recording in this room. Uh, We can maybe share a picture of this room at some point. It has really high ceilings, so you can't really see that because the video cuts off about here, but it has really high ceilings which can create some weird echoes. So I've been trying to figure out ways in which we can limit that. Um, We were doing lavalier mics for a while, that worked okay. Um, but you're still picking up a little bit of the, the more of the room noise with a lavalier mic.
0: Especially because the microphone is still quite far away from your mouth. And mm-hmm. for us, uh, depending on the length of your neck, it can be extremely far away. The sound isn't very clear. So it's not as nice to listen to.
1: Yes. So another reason why the lavalier mics weren't working properly is because most lavalier mics have an omnidirectional pickup pattern so i, I bet you weren't uh, expecting us to get into some audio nerdery but i think it's interesting uh, just to have a, a quick discussion about this because you see a lot of podcasts using the same microphone uh, shure sm7b it's big kind of gets in the way it sounds okay. It looks um, super cool though. I I don't think I think it looks terrible. Well. Um, so no offense to, to the podcasters that are using it. There's a good reason why it's being used, and one of those is the pickup pattern, is a, a polar pickup pattern. So um or sorry, it's a cardioid pickup pattern. Most lavalier mics are omnipolar. It means they pick up everything. So they pick up kind of in a in a sp- sphere if you had a cardioid one which is only picking up the front and not the back that would have actually been much better but cardioid lavalier mics are very expensive Um, they don't really exist so we didn't really want to go down that route because we also have had some bad experiences with lavalier mics in the past however we were recording in an extremely well-treated room, our music room that we had set up for speakers. I had a lot of acoustic treatment in there and we were recording with very large microphones with a cardioid pickup pattern. This sounded really good and we've been missing the sound ever since we came here and we don't have our treated room. So we wanted to find a solution. One of those solutions is going with a cardioid mic again and you heard that in the last podcast episode. We had the mic that we used in our treated room. That's a cardioid microphone, um, but it's pretty big, especially on a stand. It really gets in the way. So we wanted something a little bit more unobtrusive.
0: And elegant.
1: And elegant. So I started looking at some boom microphones that they use in professional uh, movies. They'll hang it above your head. So these microphones in a movie would be hanging right about here. So they're actually still pretty close to me then. But as you can see, my hand is out of frame. The microphone is out of frame. So that's usually how movies are being recorded. But that's oftentimes also being done in a more well-treated room. So one of the ways to get rid of a lot of the room reflections is to just be as close as possible to the microphone. So that's why these microphones are in view, but they're still out of the way they're not in front of our faces so i think that works well they have a cardioid pickup pattern so that's nice and i like the fact that they're made by uh, a swedish company so they're very close to us it's just a single guy making these microphones so these are the line audio cm4 microphones and we did something interesting with them so we've been doing a lot of testing with this rode stereo bar here uh, we wanted this road stereo bar, so we could do one of two things: either have two microphones, one very close to each other's mouths, um, to get the most. Uh, up-close sound and the least room reflections. A little bit of an ASMR vibe, if you know what I mean. Exactly. But then another thing I had in mind is there is this miking technique called ORTF, and everything goes in stereo then. So we've been doing a lot of testing over the last week, and we found that when we put the microphones in an ORTF setup, which is this, so they are angled 110 degrees outwards uh, and spaced apart 17 centimeters, and that's being noted here you might be able to see ORTF there so the capsules are lining up exactly there what we noticed is that there is still a little bit of a room reflection but it sounds more natural when it was just a single microphone the room reflection sounded a little bit harsher our voices also sound a little bit more natural on ORTF but the one thing is it is now in stereo so this means if you'd like to listen to our podcast with just a single earbud in you might not be having very good audio because if now, if you have your right earbud in and Erica starts talking, Erica's voice will be a little bit lower in volume than my voice. So my advice to you, if you do like to listen like that, it is no problem. I've seen this kind of listed as a, an issue people have with stereo podcasts, but what you can do is you can go in your phone or in your computer and you can just say that you want every, all the stereo to be summed to mono. This means that both stereo channels will go into one earbud and then you'll be able to hear us fine. For those of you that are listening on a speaker or are listening in earbuds, it should sound a lot more natural and it should kind of sound like you're sitting in front of us. So this ORTF, uh, it's designed, or the, the concept behind it is that the microphones are spaced apart just like your ears are spaced apart. So this should be picking up just like our ears are picking up. And one kind of novelty that we can do here is that this is now a binaural recording. So check this out. If you are wearing headphones, this might blow your mind. (laughs) All right, so you should hear it kind of going around your head. It's pretty amazing. This is some nerdy stuff. I figured I would get it out there. I know there's probably some other people who are doing podcasts or are into audio or are audio engineers and are curious what's going on here. That's that's what's going on.
0: Um, We're making changes all the time to yeah. get the best sound that we can and the best video quality that we can. So it's really fun to experiment. And it's also really fun because Emil is super knowledgeable about audio science in addition to supplement science. So... This is something that you just love to do in your free time anyways. And it's cool that we can apply it in this format because it makes the podcast better and it makes the whole experience just more immersive
1: for everybody. And I think that's kind of a common feature Between scientists, I think a lot of people who are interested in one professional field of science oftentimes have a lot of hobbies in the sciences too. So I know, for example, Jay, our lab director that we've had on, we talked in the past also about how he's really into aquariums. If you ever get a chance to chat to Jay about aquariums, it's crazy the amount of science that goes in there and the precision. And he's also a beer brewer and brew stuff and ferment things. And there's a lot of science that goes into there, which can kind of enrich our lives as well and keep us motivated to keep innovating with things like this, because ideas that we have outside of this scope can actually inform our decisions on certain extracts. So for example, if you look at these microphones, you can have something that picks up everything in a 360 degree radius, maybe a full spectrum bacopa, Or you can have a microphone that has a cardioid pickup pattern and is only picking up the front and not the back. It's getting more selective. That's maybe moving over to more something like Cognance, which we can skim the back of it. We can make it more cardioid. We can make it more focused. We lose some things, but we gain certain things. So going from an omnipolar to a cardioid microphone, you would lose a lot of interesting stuff that's potentially going on in the back. Right now, there's nothing interesting going on in the back. So it works in our favor. Or actually, there's stuff going on in the back, the room reflections, that are not good. And we want to get rid of it. And that's also something, when it comes to bacopa, that is important. So one of the reasons you had to abort your experiment is because?
0: Bacopa, 24%, does not work for me.
1: Makes you really tired. It
0: really, really doesn't work for me. (laughs) It makes me really tired. And it also gives me this feeling of... um, Irritability, but the kind of irritability like I have when I'm feeling quite hungry. Um, Sometimes tiredness doesn't always manifest in feeling sleepy, but it can manifest for me in feeling really frustrated or like I'm fighting against something. Even though there's nothing to be stressed about, there's nothing wrong, um, I can just feel really on edge and like this internal kind of scratchy, annoying thing that's just gnawing away. And I didn't expect that to happen with Bacopa because in the past I've taken it and it's been really relaxing. Although over time, I noticed that for me, it starts to build up to the point where I lose some motivation, but internally, then I have this kind of uh, dialogue that happens. And basically I feel like I don't have the energy or the focus to accomplish what I want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm also tired. So it, just kind of makes me feel like a bit of a four-year-old inside. And then I might be really relaxed. I might fall asleep easier. But in terms of everyday life, it actually gets in the way rather than making my life better and more relaxing. On the complete flip side, I really like Cognance. And Cognance is something that I've taken um, for quite some time. Although we're not taking it currently no. in our stack. I'm not taking it currently And we're in not stack. taking
1: it currently <clears throat> because we wanted to actually switch to normal Bacopa Monnieri. Yeah. We've had, I believe it was seven months or so, maybe a little bit more of daily cognance at two capsules, so 200 milligrams. And we just washed out for a little bit for like a week or two. And then we started on normal Bacopa Monnieri. I really wanted to compare the two. I've i I've always loved Bacopa Monnieri. Uh, I've taken it in the past. But through the development of Cognance, I compared them a little bit here and there, but not extensively in the last couple of months. So I wanted to see, is it any different than taking Cognance daily? And it's hugely different. For me, actually, it's really positive. I am missing a lot of attributes of Cognance, but it is, in a sense, a little bit better and better in the sense that it has a very nice calming effect and i really like that calming effect um for erica it makes you tired so it's always interesting that you have to play around with these things and one of the reasons why i wanted to make cognance and why nootropics depot as a whole wanted to make cognance is because we've all had these experiences that we get a little bit tired from bacoba and it takes a really long time for the nootropic effects to truly kick in with cognance that's not totally the case it hasn't really made any of our beta testers tired it's not something i've seen a few people mention it on reddit but generally cognance does what it's supposed to do and it gives you a lot of the benefits of bacopa monnieri, but it doesn't make you tired so we can go into why that is a little bit later yes i think for now we normally would focus on some new products but yes we wanted to actually we don't have any new products now, Yeah. so... Our
0: new products were isoliquitogenin and our new Lines Linesman Mycelium product, uh, which we discussed both of in our last month's podcast.
1: And took, actually, because yes. you took Arinomax and I took Arinomax and Isoliquitogenin together.
0: Yes, so if you're curious to hear more about those products and uh, get our take and our experience, uh, what it feels like to take those products, you can go over to our last podcast episode and that's probably a perfect moment to just suggest if you aren't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, definitely click the subscribe button below. Also give us a thumbs up if you like this podcast and check out our subreddit. That's r slash depot, because we talk about new products. We talk about the podcast. We talk about our mushroom grow operation mm-hmm. and lots more science on Reddit every single day at pretty much every hour of the day. So definitely get looped into our ecosystem and follow us. Now that I've said all of that about our new products, also about subscribing to the In Search of Insight podcast, what we are going to do instead of talking about new products is we're going to talk about an update for the Mushroom Kingdom.
1: So, new research instead of new products. Exactly. And we have some really interesting stuff to share, actually. Yes. Um, As you might all know, we discussed in the last podcast with Jay. And actually the one before that too, we've now had kind of two back-to-back podcasts dedicated a little bit, little sections of it to the Mushroom Kingdom project. That's for those of you that are not yet familiar with it. It is a project that we set up. It is something that I set up right before I had to leave the US actually. Uh, And in that project, we have a really big tent and that tent is um, climate controlled. So we can control the humidity in there and we can control the amount of airflow in there. Uh, Temperature not so much, but we have very consistent temperature in the location where it is, so we don't really have to worry about that. But we can modulate CO2 levels, oxygen levels, and uh, we can modulate the humidity and light. So with all of that we are then growing 21 different cultivars and species Of lion's mane and with species i mean different heritium species so lion's mane is heritium erinaceus and you also have different species such as heritium coraloidus it is it looks very different too we can show some pictures of it here probably yes that might work um so heritium coraloidus it looks a little bit like coral it has a very interesting look to it we've been cultivating that one We've been finding some interesting stuff there. We also have different species like Heritium abiatus, uh Heritium americanum, and a few different species there. And then lots of different cultivars of lion's mane, Heritium erinaceus. So for example, we have one that was found in the wild in the uh, Pacific Northwest. We have one that was found in the wild in Philadelphia. Um, or around Philadelphia. What's the state called again? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, you got Uh, it. So close to Philadelphia in Pennsylvania Forest. Actually, a lot of mushroom research and activity is coming from that area. Uh, It seems to be a really good growing area for mushrooms. And I think we have one from Virginia. We might even have one for Texas. I tried to find some in Arizona, but I ran out of time. But they're actually crazily enough, are areas in Arizona where you have Heritseum erinaceus and Americanum growing. Uh, you have these cloud forests in Arizona, which are higher elevation and higher humidity areas, where a lot of mushrooms actually grow. What's the difference between a cultivar and a species? That's a great question. So a cultivar is the same species, but showing different attributes. Oh, okay. um, So for example, if you have carrots, uh, like you can have an orange carrot, but mm-hmm. you can also have a purple carrot. Okay. It's not that the purple carrot is a different species; it is just a different cultivar of that carrot. Uh, you, a very famous example, of course, is in in hemp and other related uh, ones. Uh, if you look at hemp cultivars some can also be a little bit purple some can smell more fruity some can smell a little bit more like gasoline or a little bit more skunky and all of that is down to the cultivars Uh, you also have it with coffee for example so you have coffea arabica that's what most of us are drinking you also have that's the species that's the species okay so you have two distinct species of coffee that Mm -hmm. we are regularly consuming yeah most people who are into higher-end specialty coffee mm-hmm. are drinking Cafea Arabica. Those beans, that species of coffee produces beans that are a little bit sweeter, a little bit more nuanced in flavor. They're also harder to grow. Um, so those are usually reserved for more specialty coffee. Then you also have a different species called Cafea Robusta or Cafea uh, Canafora. And that species is a little bit easier to grow. It produces higher levels of caffeine. And generally, it doesn't produce the flavor complexity that Cafea arabica species can. However, if you grow Cafea robusta well and you select for different cultivars and phenotypes, so that's kind of the different um, attributes that it expresses, you can actually get very interesting flavors out of cafea. Robusta. But if you're looking at it there, Caffea Arabica and Caffea Robusta, if you're looking now in Caffea Arabica, in the specialty coffee world, there are lots of different cultivars that have very different flavors.
0: So like bourbon or gesha or exactly. this kind of thing.
1: Which are generally all Caffea Arabica, but okay. drastically different cultivars. So one thing you would see, for example, is certain cafea arabica cultivars are very large some are very small Mm -hmm. Um, some like pink bourbon for example pink bourbon cultivar can be very expensive it is harder to grow it is also more aromatic so if you're growing it really well and you're processing it really well you can get lemongrass type aromas and flavors from it something you can't get from other cultivars Um, with hops it's the same actually so if you look at beer in the, in the U.S., it's been very instrumental there, especially in the Pacific Northwest, especially in your home state, Washington yes. state, uh, has been extremely important for hop cultivation in creating different hop cultivars. So, for example, I think one of the first ones was maybe Citra.
0: That's the um, one that first comes to mind.
1: Yeah. Citra was one of the hops that was made way back in the day that now all of a sudden you could achieve citrus-like flavors with a hop uh, previously if you look at some of the hops that were being used in Europe and in England a lot of those hops are a little bit earthier a little bit more pure in their bitterness and not as fruity and tropical but through all of these different breeding programs now you've been able to create cultivars that can produce mango-like flavors that can produce lemon and lime type flavors and aromas and that's really given rise to beers like the IPA Anyways, going a little bit off topic there. But that's really the main thing about cultivars and species. Okay. So within hops, you actually do have a few different species, I believe. But I might be wrong there. Um, With coffee, you have at least two species that are commonly used. There are others. And with heritium, you have multiple different species. And you have multiple different cultivars. So if we look at those other examples, like you can have the same species of hop, or hop is one species, so you can have hops, but you can have different cultivars that if you were to just smell them blindly, you wouldn't even say, yeah, that's the same hop as this one. Okay, flavors and aromas are completely different. If we take those kind of lessons and the lessons with coffee cultivars, And we apply that to lions and hemp, and we apply that to Uh, lion's mane then do we see the same thing and no one's really investigated this so that's one thing we wanted to investigate
0: with the mushroom kingdom and the whole grow project right
1: and people have been doing it so if you look at mushroom cultivators especially people that are doing it well and are really going deep into the cultivation science and the the art of cultivation there are a lot of very skilled cultivators throughout the u.s and canada and they have been doing a lot of Um, work on trying to find lion's mane species that grow really robust, uh, produce a lot of biomass, uh, grow well in certain conditions. So for example, there are cultivars that can grow in 90 degree heat or plus, so like 30 degrees Celsius plus. Whereas if you take a normal lion's mane cultivar, uh, maybe one from the Pacific Northwest, and you expose it to those conditions, the lion's mane simply won't grow. So you can see really big drastic changes there where you can grow something in high heat now or you can grow one in much colder conditions or you can grow one with different types of humidity levels or one that um, colonizes the substrate much quicker or one that grows more quickly and more vigorously with more biomass.
0: not only is this going to change the way that the mushroom looks, but
1: it's also going to change what's inside the mushroom too. And that's what we're most concerned about. So in, in my mind, the ideal situation would be we find a cultivar or a completely different species that does kind of three things. It grows very fast. It produces a lot of biomass. And it produces a lot of bioactive compounds. Growing fast in producing a lot of biomass that's pretty easy to determine we can just see okay how many weeks did it take to grow Um, and then just weigh the mushroom and compare it to the amount of substrate that we had and see what is the efficiency there Um, how much biomass are we creating because ideally you want to be as space conscious as possible and there's also some environmental concerns here as well because when you are cultivating mushrooms you need a decent amount of water to keep the humidity up and some electricity to keep the mushroom tent running so if you can have a mushroom tent produce a thousand pounds of mushrooms per flush compared to maybe 750 pounds of mushrooms, then it is of course much, much better to be able to achieve that higher biomass with the same amounts of inputs, the same amount of fanning, the same amount of humidity, which is not totally true. Mushrooms actually expel CO2. So if you have more biomass in there, then you have to get rid of more, more CO2, a little bit more air refreshing. But that's another interesting thing. Maybe there are certain cultivars that put off less CO2. Who knows?
0: That's what you're researching.
1: That's what we're researching. But those two things we can quite quickly determine. Now the more difficult thing is what are the bioactive differences? So there's a lot of research we can go off. So for example, uh, if you look at heritzium coralloides, there are NGF and BDNF active compounds in there that enhance the synthesis of both NGF and BDNF that you don't necessarily see in other heritseum species, or at least in, in higher levels. And those are called the coralloidins. So we're gonna be looking at coralloidin A through C, specifically in heritseum coralloidus because it is a, a completely different species that we're growing now. It still contains the same hericinone-type compounds and hericines and hericerins that heritseum arenaceaeus contains. And it seems to also contain a new class of compounds that are not found in heritium arenosaeus, but there is research out there showing it is active on the NGF and BDNF. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting because that's kind of what we want lion's mane for. So that's one thing. So one problem with that is we don't have the reference standards for the heritonones, the hericines, the coralloidins, the hereserins. So we have to make those. Okay. We made our arenosine A reference standard by just extracting huge amounts of um, lion's mane mycelium biomass. And taking that lion's mane mycelium biomass and then taking the arenosine A out of there and purifying and getting it um, certified through NMR analysis, now we have uh, hundreds of milligrams of arenosine A reference standard that we can now use to analytically test lion's mane mycelium to make sure it actually contains arenosine A. Now, one huge ally in this Mushroom Kingdom project will be if we have the reference standards for the heresonones, the heresines, etc. Because then we can take samples of different mushrooms that we've grown, different cultivars, different species, and see quantitatively with percents how different are the levels. We can't do that yet because we still have to make those reference standards, but there is one interesting thing we can do. There is this thing called... HPTLC, High Performance Thin Layer Chromatography. And we will flash maybe right here, Erica, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in editing. <laughs> we can flash a little plate here. And we looked at some earlier. So yeah. we can kind of uh, both tell you our experiences with looking at them. But basically, an HPTLC plate is almost like a fingerprint. Every botanical has a unique fingerprint, and this is actually a technique we use to certify all of our botanical supplements. So, for example, when Bacopa monieri comes in, we want it to be Bacopa monieri, not uh, Bacopa carolinensis. I think that's another species. Maybe that's cool, too, by the way. I don't know. But we want Bacopa monieri. And the only reason, or the only way we can make sure it is actually Bacopa Monieri is to either do like a DNA analysis or to do something like HPTLC. And if,
0: HPTLC is measuring the different compounds in the botanical, right? Or the correct. raw material? Yes. Okay.
1: Well, no, sorry. Uh, it is not quantifying it.
0: Not quantifying yes. it? Yes. Okay, but it is measuring the contents in in terms of differentiating levels of certain contents in the botanical, right?
1: Not entirely, but okay. it, it, is, it is a kind of a confusing thing. That's why I instinctively said yes, but it's also no, because okay. we can't say, hey, that is so much percent of this compound, okay. necessarily. There are certain techniques where we can adapt HPTLC testing to mm-hmm. do that. But you I, can say... I see
0: more concentration or I see a brighter band at a certain compound. So you're not measuring it in terms of a number Mm percentage-wise, but you are measuring for the specific compound by name, right? Yes. So
1: if we look at what I'm assuming right here is an HPTLC plate, you have some lines there. (laughs) Maybe I'm by chance hitting a line here. This is Um, your weatherman training. (laughs) My weatherman training. I wish I could see it, but somewhere around here... um, you'll see kind of one band and it's all on the same line and you'll see colors and each band has a different color and And each
0: band is signifying a different compound
1: yeah so the the really crude way this works and we actually do this in a lot of our mushroom research we do an even more well HPTLC is pretty high-tech, by the way. It's it's a huge station in our lab. I'm sure Jay will do a video about HPTLC at some point. It is a very big station. Uh, You can also do TLC, thin layer chromatography, which is like the low-tech version of HPTLC. And it's very easy to do if you know what you're doing. Basically, you take a special kind of card, a special type of material that wicks So if you take, for example, a a piece of tissue and you dip it in water, especially if you did it maybe with like some cyanidin-3-glucoside in the water, you could see through the capillary action, it would take up that water into it. TLC and HPTLC work in a similar way, but basically what they do is through the capillary action, they can actually separate compounds and deposit them at different points based on their molecular weight okay so if you take an extract of lion's mane mycelium or bacopa or whatever botanical we do and you deposit it on one of these plates it will slowly suck up and deposit the compounds based on their molecular weight at different positions
0: but the extract would need to be in some kind of liquid solution right right
1: Correct, a liquid solution that is completely filtered, there's no sediment in there. So that also means you have to have some sort of sample prep methodology uh, through sonication or whatever we deem is necessary to actually extract those compounds. And then you take it and you put it on a plate. And then that plate will separate out those compounds. When you look at one of those plates, you won't really see a whole lot. Um, With TLC, you can kind of see it discolors certain areas, which HPTLC, if you look at it, you won't see a whole lot just with the naked eye, but then you put it in a special piece of equipment.
0: That's where the high performance part of the acronym comes in.
1: You put it in a, 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 I believe it's called a visualizer. Uh, It puts a certain wavelength of light on it. Uh, Different wavelengths correspond with different compounds, but then those compounds fluoresce so when those compounds fluoresce that's what we're seeing here so you see all of these pretty colors those pretty colors are basically those separated out compounds fluorescing and if we do it over and over and over and over and over again and with a lot of research we can pretty well not super accurately that's why i think we have an annotated one up here let's make sure it's an annotated one you can see question marks is that an horizonome Um, we know certain things. So there's one band somewhere around here that's ergosterol. We know that's ergosterol. We've tested that before. We know exactly where it's showing up. But then the herisonomes, we have a general idea of where they should be showing up. And with that, with taking the first seven, I think, species and cultivars that we're doing in the Mushroom Kingdom, we have been able to see more bright colors for certain extracts. So, remember, the extraction methodology is exactly the same. It's very standardized between every single mushroom biomass that we put in. Okay. So, that's not making a difference. The thing that's making a difference is what's present in that mushroom. And what's present in that mushroom then is showing different fluorescence. And okay. with that, we can now start to very um, preliminarily say, Hey that heritium choroidus might contain slightly higher heritinone levels, and we're seeing something pop up that we're not seeing in the other ones. So that's kind of where we're at now, that's the update. Um, And we are on our sixth flush, and it is still producing lots of biomass so we have now topped up our entire lab freezer it's a pretty big freezer it is now filled to the brim with lion's mane that's frozen and just waiting there until we actually have the capacity to extract it so that's how much biomass we have now
0: there's a lot of research to be done yes there's a lot of research being done already but it's really exciting to know that the mushroom kingdom is producing so much fruiting body And you can also see it in the pictures that we've shown in this little update, all of the different cultivars and different species as well. Um, As a a non-true scientist, I am fascinated by all of this process, like you, but there's so much detail and there's so much specificity when it comes to measuring these Mm -hmm. different mushrooms and... I'm just glad that we get to see the pictures and get these updates because the project itself is amazing and it feels like it's growing at an exponential
1: rate. Absolutely it keeps getting bigger and bigger and actually yesterday we were on a phone call and we thought hey this is really cool but how do we make this cool for you guys so we want to show you well we want to show you yes and we can do that not very easily but we can show it visually but how do we put the stuff in your body yes that's the real that's challenge. the coolest thing you can do that's the coolest thing that's why we're doing this at the yes. end of the day we can do all of this research just as a philosophical exercise almost. or for a pretty picture or for a pretty picture but we actually want to create kind of the next generation lion's mane fruiting body extracts and no one's as far as we know no one's doing this like there might be a little bit more of an artisanal thing going on like If I grow this Horitzium arinaceae species and I take it, it feels different than this one. I actually recently had a very interesting conversation with someone who was involved with a project way back in the day in Canada where they were wild harvesting Horitzium arinaceae. And they had found one from a specific area that put everyone to sleep. This is really strange to me because there is nothing really in lion's mane, as far as I know, that should be able to put you to sleep. Maybe it was uh, a mycologist's error where they picked what they thought was heritzinger and assays. Maybe it was something else, I don't know. But the, so there is some bioassaying going on there. As far as I know, just most people are getting their mushrooms from overseas. Um, or there there is some cultivation happening in north america but once you start putting things into perspective just how much biomass you need it starts getting really crazy so yesterday we were thinking let's say we wanted to make um, a thousand kilos of a five to one lion's mane extract we would need an enormous amount of um, fruiting body because the fruiting bodies are 90% water, and a 5 to 1 means you need 5,000 kilos of dried raw material. So then you're, you're thinking of many, many thousands of kilograms of fresh fruiting bodies. And even though a tent can be very productive, and you can just stamp it completely full of one very high-producing uh, lion's mane cultivar or a different heritium species, Realistically, doing this on North American soil would be very hard. Um, so we were kind of conceptually thinking, like, could we become mushroom farmers? We would love to, but I think it's going to be really difficult to do that. Um, so we're kind of now in that stage of we're starting to see some results. We're starting to get excited about that. Now, how can we apply that to something that actually produces real world results? And that's going to take a long time. So sure. you're not going to be taking the next generation lion's mane fruiting body. Grown by Tropics Depot. Different heritium. Yeah, that probably never. With a partner, ideally, in North America, which we are exploring some very interesting options right now, hopefully we can make that happen. Uh, and otherwise, we will be working together with some of our regular mushroom cultivation partners. Because the thing that... I think there is there's a bit of hate these days towards um, overseas mushroom products, um, because you know you want to do it all on your own soil and you want to have all of the you want to oversee everything and make sure everything is being done in a clean way, et cetera, et cetera. I understand that, but the one thing is we just don't have a whole lot of mushroom cultivators here. Um, we don't have a long history of doing it. But if you look in Asian countries like China, Japan, Korea, there are hundreds of years of mushroom cultivation knowledge there. Malaysia, where our tiger milk is coming from, um, China, where most of our mushrooms are coming from. You want have the expertise and the many years, maybe even centuries of mushroom cultivation knowledge that is there you have the resources you have the space you have the people to do it the know-how how how to do it and the extraction facilities that know how to do it so be glad that exists and you know there is some rhetoric that they're making low quality stuff it's not true they're making some of the highest quality stuff and we're seeing that with analytical testing um At the end of the day, You have to do analytical uh, testing, then. For
0: sure. These uh, different stacks and the different extracts that we take, a lot of that research, if not the majority of that research, has come about because of traditional practices. Exactly. Traditional Chinese practices and Ayurvedic Ayurvedic, practices.
1: Which is what we'll be talking about with Bacopa very soon here, uh, once we wrap up this section. Yeah, exactly.
0: So just to kind of put a little... Uh, bow on the end of the conversation <laughs> about the mushroom kingdom, there's obviously a lot that we still have yet to explore, but it feels like new boxes are opening up every single day. Absolutely. So, that concludes our little mushroom kingdom update and also our audio lesson for the month
1: <laughs> from Emil. Yeah, hopefully, you all like what you're hearing now. I- in our testing, it sounded much more pleasant. So definitely Hopefully for you too. give us your feedback.
0: Um, yeah. Let us know how it sounds definitely in the YouTube comments or on Reddit. We're really curious to hear um, how the changes and the updates are sounding for you guys. So now that we've had some time discussing these different projects, let's get back to our main topic for the day, which is bacopa Monieri. And let's start by talking about how we're feeling because I can definitely feel that this Bacopa has kicked in already. And Emil, how about you?
1: Absolutely. I was in the middle of a sentence earlier and I kind of maybe even saw it on the camera. I had this quick moment of like, whoa, (laughs) something happened. I've actually never taken a double dose of the Bacopa. Uh, For some reason, I just never really was curious about it because one tablet is already pretty strong uh, and I really like the effects. The one interesting thing is I've been taking now this one tablet-a-day dose for the last month and a bit, month and a half, I think, at this point. But I didn't take it this morning because I wanted it to kick in with as much power as possible. And one thing I can mention is that throughout the day, we started recording at, what was it, 3 p.m.-ish? Yes. Uh, So waking up and starting my day at about... 8.30, 9 a.m. Normally I would take Bacopa right after breakfast and the nice relaxing effects would kick in. I've kind of parsed out other relaxing things that are in my stack because for example, if I take Shodan and Bacopa together, the relaxing effect is too much and I don't really like it. So I like just Bacopa or just Shodan and I'm actually sort of more gravitating towards Bacopa. But that does mean I haven't had any of my calming, the most calming part of my supplement stack, which is now Bacopa. And I could really feel that that was missing. And one thing too is like my muscles felt a little bit more tight because that GABAergic effect allows me to relax my muscles a little bit more. It actually allows me to concentrate a bit more. It is easier than for me to be in a better mood. Um, So that was missing. So now when it kicked in, I thought, ah, yeah, that's what I've been missing. My mood is up. My body feels nice and relaxed. The tense muscles in my back have started to loosen up. I'm really liking this. The one thing I wasn't expecting is that it is almost like paradoxically stimulating. Something we talked about in the previous podcast episode where you were having a paradoxical stimulation effect with Coriander. Yes. Um, And I said, I haven't really been having that. But then people on Reddit were saying, oh yeah, I've had that paradoxical stimulation effect too. I'm getting that now from this. It feels like almost a little bit euphoric in a sense. And Mm -hmm. I saw someone mention that on Reddit that if they take two tablets of the 24%, it almost feels a little bit Euphoric, uplifting. And I have to agree with that. It is a fairly pronounced GABAergic, but also a little bit of like a serotonergic tinge to it. I really like it. What are you feeling so far?
0: So far, I feel a little bit more weighed down than I normally do. And in some senses, this could be interpreted as calm. Although for me, I feel like my vibration is a little bit lower. (laughs) Most of the time, I say that in a very um, casual way, tongue in cheek way, not really. But this is like bringing me even further down. Like, I feel (laughs) super chill, like cool as a cucumber, maybe a little bit too chill in terms of my comfort level because it makes talking and being engaged in the conversation feel maybe more taxing than I would like if I compare it to cognance or if I compare it to other relaxing supplements that we take from time to time
1: so yeah again you can see how big the, the change can be <clears throat> the interesting thing is back in the day i also had very similar responses to bacopa which is also what made me chase down cognance. so i'm not really sure what has changed something yeah. has clearly changed one thing i think that might be happening is You actually stopped taking cyanidin-3-glucoside. Yeah. Uh, I stopped taking it for a little bit to see what kind of differences I would notice without it. And I recently started it back up again. Um, But for most of the experiment with Bacopa, I have been taking it alongside cyanidin-3-glucoside. And cyanidin-3-glucoside enhances norepinephrine levels. mostly through the monoamine oxidase inhibiting effects?
0: For me, that has been very stimulating lately. Mm -hmm. I took it um, one morning when I had an appointment to go to, and I've been doing some experimenting lately with my stack, removing a lot of the different mood uh, boosting supplements and some of the calming supplements because I was feeling really tired and sometimes agitated. So I thought, I'm going to take out all of these mood supplements and see what my mood is like when I'm just focusing on vitamins and minerals and the basics. And then I was taking this basic stack and I added on sanitin 3 glucoside and I was really sitting in this meeting and all of a sudden I had this feeling of panic and then I really had to use the bathroom and my heart started beating and I got really warm. And, you know, for anyone who struggles with these kinds of issues, um, like on a regular basis, this really didn't feel like a normal... um, anxious response. This really felt like all of a sudden something changed inside of my body and it made my stomach feel different and it changed my whole experience. And so I thought, okay, I think I'm going to lay off cyanide 3-glucoside for a little while because I was getting some really good benefits from it. <clears throat> I think it was really nice for definitely feeling like fit and it goes really well with exercise, but some part of the stimulating aspect of it got really intense for me all of a sudden, and I think this might be causing some of that agitation I was experiencing, and I haven't been taking it for the last week or two, um, and I definitely feel more calm, more chill. I also feel like my sense of humor is back, and I can relax a little bit more. It was pushing me just a bit further than I want to be pushed on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something I started to notice after a while too, that Cyanidin-3-glucoside can be very stimulating, especially when you combine it with other stimulating things. So I was also experimenting a little bit more with subroxy again. Uh, Tiger milk seems to be a little bit stimulating and seems to enhance norepinephrine levels. Uh, Lion's mane mycelium seems to do that too. I was taking cold showers every morning, which enhances norepinephrine levels. And at a certain point, I just felt like really reactive in, in my stress levels, So I stopped taking um, cyanidin-3-glucoside. When I was taking cyanidin-3-glucoside, I was also taking shodan and bacopa together. And that was fine. Then, when I dropped cyanidin-3-glucoside, the shodan and bacopa together were making me way too chill. (laughs) So I dropped the shodan, and that was good. But now I've actually added back in the cyanidin-3-glucoside. And I think... One of the reasons I can now very well tolerate normal Bacopa is actually because of the cyanidin-3-glucoside. Like the um, Bacopa monieri is acting as the perfect counterpart to cyanidin-3-glucoside, helping to balance out some of that beneficial stimulation that I get from cyanidin-3-glucoside. And I love it when I'm by myself. If I'm just by myself and I'm focusing on something that energy that I get from cyanidin-3-glucoside is perfect. But if I'm around other people and we're doing something together, I can be a little bit more snappy, uh, a little bit more reactive. I don't really like that in social settings, but combined with Bacopa Monieri and now with, without the tiger milk, without the cold showers and stuff like that, being a little bit more balanced on the norepinephrine front, it's working really well. With that in mind... If you are feeling a little bit weight down, would you want to take a capsule of cyanide 3-glucoside to see if you can balance that out for the rest of the podcast? Right now?
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's see what just happens. Just
1: a single one? Or do you just want the full double dose then?
0: Uh, mm, that's a good question. We were taking a double dose before, right?
1: Well, that's the full dose actually. So okay. double capsule, two capsules, not the double dose. That's... Yeah. Just the regular dose? Okay, but before we were taking, I was taking two capsules. Which is the regular dose.
0: Which is the regular dose. So let's just go for it. Let's take the full regular dose and see. Because I really would like to know if that experience I had, if that's going to happen again. And I feel comfortable diving into that uncharted territory with you and just documenting it on video. And I'm also really curious because not only do I feel super chill right now, but there's one element of this euphoric kind of um reverse reverse stimulation uh what's the term that you use for it
1: relaxation no not not (laughs) relaxation paradoxical
0: paradoxical stimulation stimulation. (laughs) there's one element of that which i find a little bit distracting in this scenario and that is that i feel like my field of vision has gotten narrower not wider
1: stimulating for you but it's also making you very chill
0: it's it's weird that it's both because on one <laughs> hand, I feel like um, I feel like things are moving slower. On mm. the other hand, I feel like my vision is narrower and I kind of have this tunnel vision. And so, mm. yeah, perhaps the language that I'm using to describe it is a bit confusing, but I feel a little bit like I'm in a tunnel and I'm moving slowly. Okay. Sometimes when I have stimulating supplements... I can feel like I'm in a tunnel, but I'm going at light speed. And in this case, it just is a little bit like, yeah, I don't know. If you poke me, I'm not going to feel quite as much or I might not respond quite as quickly. And that's not necessarily ideal in like an everyday or work scenario or a creative scenario for me. Although it's really nice when it's time to go to sleep and it's time to relax. And Bacopa is one of the ingredients in sleep support that makes it really, really relaxing and great when you wake up the next day, especially if you're a person like me who can feel a little bit on edge right when
1: you wake up. And that's kind of one of the things that I've always recommended. So if you do not respond well to Bacopa Moneri during the day, take it at night, because a lot of the memory enhancing effects take a long time to kick in and are very dependent on upregulations that are happening, on neuroplastic changes that are happening. So basically, You need it in your system long-term. And it doesn't matter if you're taking it early in the day or later in the day. You just have to be taking it regularly. So you can take it at night and it actually enhances sleep quality. And one of the reasons it enhances sleep quality is because it actually contains the precursors to very similar compounds that are in other sleep-promoting supplements. So, for example, you have this thing called Sisyphus jujuba, which is a kind of a date-looking thing from China. It's from traditional Chinese medicine. And there it's used as a sleep-promoting supplement. And one interesting thing is, it contains one of the main actives, is jujoboside A. Jujoboside A, when it is exposed to acid hydrolysis, turns into jujobaginin. Bacoside A, when it is exposed to hydrolysis and acid hydrolysis, also turns into jujobaginin. And jujobaginin seems to have a fairly strong GABAergic effect. So what we are experiencing now is probably some level of jujobaginin is already present in our Bacopa 24%, and our gut bacteria and the hydrolysis that's happening in our stomach currently is producing jujubogenin. These are also classically sleep-enhancing compounds that are found in sleep-enhancing supplements. So that might be where some of that extra chill feeling is coming from. It also means it is great for sleep. But let's try and balance that now. Yes. We can keep talking a little bit more in depth about it. But let me just quickly cut screen, and I'll be back with a bottle of cyanidin-3-glucoside. Awesome. (laughs) And I'm back with some cyanidin-3-glucoside. Awesome. Here you go. Two capsules. Also, uh, sorry for teasing you with the cyanidin-3-glucoside. I know we've been uh, out of stock for a little bit. Oh, yeah. A lot of you are uh, really hoping it will come back soon. This is my last bottle too, and it is about to run out as well. So I'm, I'm very excited for it to come back. The interesting thing is, um, and maybe Erica can actually put it right here. Mm-hmm. Someone was juicing red cabbage mm. um, just in a masticating juicer, actually the same juicer we used to have. And they're making this like almost black purple beverage uh, and they're saying it has some of the effects of Mm. cyanidin-3-glucoside and then someone else was blending up a bunch of blueberries maybe we can also put that here yeah Um, but anyways there's some very funny posts on reddit right now about the cyanidin-3-glucoside shortage Uh, to give a little bit of an update on that Something went wrong with the shipping company, so it has nothing to do with us or the manufacturer, the shipping company, something went wrong, and it's kind of just been getting shipped all over the world. It was in Japan for a while, it was in Hawaii for a while, it was back in China, it was so it's kind of just been bouncing all over the place, and no one can give us a clear answer on where it is. We are hoping to get it back as soon as possible. We ordered this in June, like we were very much prepared. Um, the same thing strangely is happening to isoliquid to So this was actually going to be an isoliquid to episode until we realized that we ran out of stock because all of you guys are really liking isoliquid to apparently, and it sold way more than we thought it would. Um, again, we ordered that second batch of material very soon. And it's also a little bit stuck. So those are two things that are kind of up in the air right now. Hopefully we'll have it back soon. But anyways, for now,
0: in the meantime,
1: you get to uh, have a little bit of uh, FOMO with Erica's experience yes. stacking Bacopa 24% with a full dose of cyanide through glucoside So yeah. I would imagine in about half an hour, you might start feeling so. Mm-hmm. As we go through this, let's Check in with you to see yeah, how it's going.
0: Absolutely. And for those of you who are familiar with using the chapter function in YouTube, um, if you want to just check and see what it's like, or if anything has changed you know, 30, 40 minutes from now in the podcast, feel free to go down. There will definitely be a chapter um, that describes when the cyanide and 3-glucoside starts to kick in. And for anyone who's curious also to look back in the podcast about Other info or things we've already talked about, you can just go to those chapters down below, and there's a lot of detail, and that will help you to just kind of parse through the information again and return to places that you want to go back to in the podcast. So, while the cyanidin 3 glucoside is being digested and Mm -hmm. uh, taken up by all of my receptors and uh, (laughs) changing my whole body and my whole outlook, my transporters, (laughs) uh, let's talk a little bit about our different Bacopa Monieri offerings. And let's talk about the effects, the differences that we experience, why that might be happening, and really talk about the mechanisms um, that are going on when we take this Bacopa extract versus Cognance. And you know what was the point in having all these different options available? Mm-hmm. Uh, because for some people it can be daunting to look through this variety that we have and to choose the Bacopa that's gonna be best for you but I think a nice place to start is talking about where Bacopa comes from and how it's Mm -hmm. traditionally used, and then we can get a little bit more into our current extracts.
1: Yeah, so Bacopa monieri has been used for a really long time. Um, It's probably one of the original natural nootropics. There's a lot of human data on it. There's a lot of old descriptions of it from Ayurveda, ancient descriptions, where it was always considered to be something that is good for the brain. Um, and so there's a class of herbs in Ayurveda called the Rasayanas. They're the rejuvenating herbs. And specifically, Bacopa Monieri, I think it's called like a Medja or Menja Rasayana. Not exactly sure on the spelling anymore, but that is a Rasayana that is specifically rejuvenating to the brain. So There's a long history of it for that. Um, It's actually given to fairly young children already in um, India. I think after the age of 10 it is commonly supplemented in some groups as kind of a thing that will help kids study at school course this is not something we're going to officially recommend because again look at the back of your bottle you have to be 18 unless you have some sort of other um, maybe contact with a doctor or something but let's not get into that but it is traditionally being used fairly from a fairly early age Mm. till very elderly ages Mm -hmm. Um, so it seems to also have some anti-aging effects and it seems to kind of keep your mind fresh even at uh, later parts in life. And traditionally, the whole herb is used and it's mixed with milk. You see this often in Ayurveda, you actually see it with um, ashwagandha too. Ashwagandha is oftentimes the the root powder is mixed with milk to enhance the bioavailability. Uh, and that's actually a concept KSM 66 took to the extreme and they used milk to actually extract ashwagandha roots. So. That's why if you look on our product description for KSM66, you'll see that it has a milk allergen. Because they basically took that traditional concept of taking it together with milk and made an extract with milk. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the reasons is because if you're taking Bacopa with a fat source, some of the compounds can absorb perhaps a little bit better. I think over time we've kind of come to learn that that's not always the case. If a compound is fat-soluble, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to take it with fats. Um, I personally take it after breakfast, which contains some fats. I oftentimes eat peanut butter in the morning. So. Every day, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, <laughs> guilty as charged. Uh, some peanut butter and Hagelslag. Um, So that's my regular breakfast. So I am always taking my supplements with a fat source. But I have also taken it at later points. So my last fat-containing meal was many hours ago. Mm -hmm. And the Bacopa Monieri is kicking in full force with two tablets, of course. Um, But it feels strong, so I don't necessarily think fat is really something that you need. But that's how it is traditionally used.
0: We've discussed this in the past when talking about bioavailability. And I think some of the... um, The details I remember from this conversation was that when you take something with a fat source, maybe the difference in absorption is, it is there, there is a Mm -hmm. difference, but it's quite small. So in terms of the perceptible benefits, it's not going to be like a crazy difference than if you don't take it with a fat source. And then over time... It also doesn't seem like it makes such a huge difference in terms of the benefit
1: and the yeah. effects. And with unstandardized material, of course, it can be more beneficial to take it to, to get every last bit of uh, bioavailability enhancement and by- you can get.
0: And by unstandardized material, you mean like just the plant material itself?
1: Just raw Bacopa monieri. So Mm -hmm. Bacopa monieri also, it's a um, semi-aquatic plant. Um, It grows close to water. You can actually also grow it in aquariums. So if you go to any aquarium shop, um, if you see some green plants growing under the water, that Mm -hmm. might actually be Bacopa monieri.
0: And if you go to a garden shop and you see plants with these very cute little white flowers, and we can put that picture on this side, um, <laughs> right, <there. laughs> right right here, uh, you can see the becobomonieri flower is really, really common
1: in nurseries all mm. over the world. And actually, it also exists in the wild in the U.S., So actually, our social media person, Samantha, um, she takes all of the pictures for what you see on Instagram and Facebook and and a lot of the, the thumbnails and things like that. She one time went to a park to take some product photos and she took some pictures. And I was looking at those pictures like, Samantha, I think you found Bacopa Moniri just growing in the wild. And we looked it up and um, we referenced some some botanical uh, pictures and drawings. And yeah, it ended up being Bacopa Moniri, which is really confusing to me because I didn't realize it grew in North America as well, but it does. Uh, it doesn't seem to grow in Europe, but it does grow in North America. So if you go out in a swampy area, you might be able to find Bacopa Moneri. Just be careful. Uh, it is also very good at sequestering heavy metals. <laughs> so maybe if you find Bacopa moneri in the wild, growing along a potentially contaminated stream of water, I would personally not take that. Yeah, maybe um, not the
0: best choice for your uh, wild foraged salad or <laughs> yeah. tea mix. Uh,
1: maybe not so good. Yeah. This is one reason, of course, why analytical testing is important, and we test all of our Bacopa moneri extracts For heavy metals, and we actually adhere to Prop 65, which is the California regulation, and it is super, super strict. Like, there is nothing else on the planet, I believe, that's as strict as Prop 65. It actually makes it really hard for us to source certain ingredients, and oftentimes we actually have to get special custom batches made that can fit the heavy metal um, standardizations that we want to hit or standardizations. uh, cutoffs because mm-hmm. you will always have some amount of heavy metals. Like this water that we're drinking contains heavy metals, mm-hmm. the food that we eat contains heavy metals, everything contains some amount of heavy metals. So, the whole trick with heavy metals is just limiting the amount of exposure that you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's important to just test so anyways you can find it in the wild just be careful mm -hmm.
0: Um, we can kind of fast forward from talking about Ayurveda to uh, our extracts now
1: Yeah. yeah and There is definitely some some crossover there too. So if you look in India and you look at Ayurveda, a lot of that was already being well documented and was almost being done in like sort of clinical trialy type of things, just not organized how we would normally do it.
0: Or how we would do it nowadays.
1: How we would do it nowadays. Yeah. Um, Doing it in a more rigorously scientific method. Mm -hmm. But... In India, because Bacopa moniri was so important, and it was being used even in the modern day, uh, there were clinicians who wanted to know exactly what it was doing. They needed a way to actually research Bacopa. And one thing with natural plant extracts, and just plants in general, is that they produce wildly different... Uh, concentrations of bioactives and maybe even different bioactives i always
0: think about what jay says a plant's
1: gonna do what a plant's gonna do (laughs) absolutely and also it has to do maybe you get a different phenotype that's producing more of one kind and then actually if you select for that you have a new cultivar that's Mm kind of what we were talking about earlier Um, but the problem is From one bacopa plant to another, depending on where it's growing to, the soil composition can definitely change the bioactives that are in there. So from terroir to terroir, then, if we're using a fancy French word for it, and from cultivar to cultivar, and from growing season to growing season, and from farmer to farmer, the levels of the actives are always going to be different.
0: And that's why it's important to... Consider what extract you're taking
1: when exactly. it comes to the bacopa area that you choose. And how you standardize it. So, if you standardize something, you can make sure that at least, okay, we have X amount of Bacocide A. The problem with that is in India, when analytical methods were becoming more and more accessible methods were being developed for Bacopa Monnieri. Um, they really wanted to know what exactly is going on in there, we've been using it for centuries, it's really important to us what's in there. So then they developed some HPLC, uh, yeah, HPLC high performance liquid chromatography methods to take out basically its columns and in those columns same thing we were talking about with the thin layer chromatography um, section earlier instead of having a plate that separates out the compounds based on their molecular weight you have giant columns that then the compounds stick to different areas of the column and then go out in at different time frames and then it's something i'm not super comfortable explaining we'll have jay on and go watch jay's youtube videos too by the way he'll explain stuff like this in great detail but the issue with that is if you look at the bioactives in Bagopa there are these things called saponins. And saponins act like soap. So they foam up. Uh, you see this sometimes with certain botanicals. I'm not sure if pineapple juice has a lot of saponins in there. Mm. It might be because if you shake it up, it gets really foamy. That yeah. might be the saponins.
0: If you know, let us know in the comments.
1: <laughs> and, and if you take something like bagopa and you put it in water and you shake it up, it will get quite foamy mm. as well. Um, but that foaming action makes a lot of the sides stick together. Okay. And then they're not separating out well in those columns. So that means you have basically a clump of these soapy compounds that are sticking in one area of the column and coming out at the same time and producing one singular peak. So then when you look at that peak, you have to go, okay let's try and isolate that and they did and they isolated it but they didn't isolate individual compounds they isolated this conglomeration of different things because Mm -hmm. they didn't at the time know how to separate it yet but it looked like one thing you can't see it with the naked eye or with a microscope and see oh it's a bunch of different things stuck together and on the HPLC chromatogram it looked like one compound so that compound was called Bacchuside A And a lot of research was focusing on Bacoside A and getting a standardized Bacoside A amount and testing Bacoside A in animal models, isolated. Now we know that Bacoside A is not one compound. It's four compounds stuck together. So you have uh, Bacoside A3, Bacopasapinin C, uh, Bacopaside 2, and Bacopaside X those make up back aside A. So now we have much more resolution and we know actually we can separate all of those out. And when we buy our bacaside A reference standard, you can actually go look this up on Sigma Aldridge too. If you look for bacaside A, it will be a mixture of those all together in, in a way that would represent bacaside A. Then you also have aside B. We've actually never figured out what aside B is. So we, we still don't really know. So we are testing our stuff for aside A mainly. Um, so that was step one. Same thing that we're doing with the mushrooms. In order to standardize something, you need to have a reference standard. You need to know what you're looking for. And we already knew what we were looking for with irinocene A. So we just had to make the reference standard. But back in the day, with a lot of these Indian researchers, they were starting from nothing. They had no idea bacacides existed. They had to isolate these compounds. They had to give these compounds names, quantify them, and make testing methodologies for them. But once that existed, you could go further from there and make a standardized extract. So there is a drug research institute in India called the CDRI, the Central Drug Research Institute. And if you look at Synapsa Bacopa, which we carry, Synapsa Bacopa is actually CDRI 08. So the Central Drug Research Institute of India realized we need to study Bacopa. And in order to study Bacopa, we need a Bacopa extract that's always the same. So we're not gonna have these differing levels of bioactives every single time we administer this specific Bacopa extract it's going to contain the same bioactives. So we can do it at different dosage levels, we can test different parameters, but we always have a constant and that constant is CDRI08, or as we know it now, synapsa. I think in Australia, it's called KeenMind, but it's all CDRI08. At this point too, some, with some of the complexities with the HPLC testing, where compounds are sticking together, Another method was devised, UV-Vis testing. And this method of testing, oftentimes, we see this happen a lot. It inflates the amount of bioactive. So if you look at our um, specification sheet now for a synapse bacopa, you will see that I believe it's like 8.2% or 8 to 9%. It's in that range. If you look at what it was, with UV-Vis testing, it was 55% asides. Mm-hmm. So way inflated and, and not at all realistic. Another company, Bacognize, um, that we work with and we have their extract. Actually, it's Verdure is the company they make, Bacognize, the Bacopa extract. They used to be 45% asides by UV-Vis. And they were actually the first company to go, no... HPLC is more accurate, and when they did HPLC, they got 12%. So also kind of interesting if you look at Synapsa, you have 55% back by UV VIS, mm-hmm. but you only have eight or so percent by HPLC. Con- differently with Back you start with 45%, but you're ending up with a higher actual concentration by HPLC, which is 12%. Mm-hmm. I've always thought why this is, and I think I might have a little bit of an answer now to that as well. And it would be interesting to do some analytical testing here and maybe have a conversation with Jay later about this on the podcast. But one thing that Synapse knew, that we also now know and made a patented product for is that... The bacides can also be hydrolyzed, and when you hydrolyze them, they form bacogenins. And I can't find any concrete information that Synapsa is actually hydrolyzing their Bacopa extract. But if you look at certain research studies, looking at CDRI 08, you can see that they specifically wanted a higher concentration of bacogenins. So, Synapse might actually have some more backogenins. And the interesting thing there is that when we uh, carried just Backognize and Synapse, the rhetoric was always that Synapse made you less tired than bacognize. Backognize would make you really tired, and Synapse almost had a bit more of an uplifting effect. I don't totally agree with that. I remember one of my first experiences with Bacopa was with Synapsa, and it made me deadly tired. Um, So I was also taking it together with Ashwagandha. So maybe that's just not a great combination. What's the standardization for Synapsa? So 8% by HPLC. Okay. Um, And it's only... Actually, from the manufacturer, it is 55% bacocytes mm-hmm. by uv still. We don't adhere to that anymore and we do our own HPLC testing and that's what we put on our specification sheet. So we don't say it contains 55% bacocytes. We say it contains like 8% now and that's what we go by. What we don't know is, is there maybe a secret backer gene and uh, standardization that's happening? Um, perhaps. And maybe that's why... With their UV-Vis method, we're seeing 55% mm-hmm. baccides, which is also not totally correct because... If they are doing baccides and bacogenins, which are the hydrolyzed metabolites of baccides, and they're lumping that all together in UV-Vis testing, and that's getting those numbers way higher, um, it means that their standardization is not necessarily correct, being 55% baccides. But this is where things get a little bit sticky because UV-Vis doesn't have a great ability to separate between all of these different compounds. So it kind of lumps everything similar looking. Into that method. So that's maybe why, if we look at Bacognize, it's 45%, but with HPLC, it's 12%. And with Synapsa, it is 55% by UVFIS, but only 8% by HPLC. We've never really dug all too much into this because when we get extracts from patent manufacturers and they're saying, oh, yeah, it is standardized to we can test for example, the Bacogenin content just for our fun, Mm -hmm. but because they are not necessarily standardizing to those compounds, if we start standardizing to those compounds, we might have to start rejecting batches because the Bacogenin levels might be all over the place. Mm -hmm. But that's really the big difference, potentially, between Synapse and Bacognize. And when you
0: took Bacognize, did you feel as tired?
1: I also felt quite tired on that. Okay. Um, So I don't know what was going on at the time but any bacopa was really making me tired and that's also what got me interested in cognance uh lactone specifically which is a bacogenin. and it got me interested in um so yeah interested in ebelin lactone and making ebelin lactone in a way that's not synthetic because the synthetic method is extremely hard and extremely expensive um, but we can get into that in a second. So to uh, start, then, mm-hmm.
0: the biggest difference between Synapse and bacognize is the difference in the baccides standardization.
1: Correct. Okay. Uh, and then also, mm-hmm. so we had the 55%, we mm-hmm. had the 45%, but then they all dropped lower. So then we were curious, what would a very high baccide percentage look like? Mm-hmm. And we tried to get a 50% backasides. That never ended up working. By HPTLC? By HPLC. By HPLC, okay. But we did get this one. So this is 24% by HPLC. And as far as we know, everything we've seen on the market, this is by far the highest standardization of Bacopa. So 24% bacocytes. So that dosage of bacocytes I just took, so 600 milligrams because each tablet is... Um, 300 milligrams 24% of that that's a lot of milligrams of bacocytes especially when you compare that against the 320 milligram dose I believe for synapsa and 300 milligram dose for bacognize. so there are some differences there but the interesting thing with synapsa is that if you do want a bacopa extract that has the most amount of human evidence behind it you have to go for synapsa because synapsa is CDRI08, and if you look that up, basically just go to Google and Google CDRI08, and then at the end, put NCDI. That will pull almost all of the scientific studies that use CDRI08, Synapse, or Mind in Australia, and this is where a lot of the human data is on. and it's because a lot of that research was being done in India. And it's been, I think, CDRI 08 has been around since the 1970s. So way older than we are. Uh, yeah. There is a, a wealth of information there. And because of that, a wealth of information on human use of Bacopa monnieri and all of the receptor targets that it's hitting. So in my opinion, Synapse is... If you look at it from like a historical novelty point of view, super interesting, it's probably the first standardized Bacopa monieri extract on the planet. There's a lot of research on it and it works well and there is a slight potential that there is some interesting things going on there with extraction processing. I have dug into some of their patents and I've never found the hydrolysis thing. But what I have found is that they also very tightly control the harvest window. So they know exactly when to harvest it for the highest amount and most diversity of bioactive. So I think that makes Synapsa very interesting. Um, It's a really cool product. But if we're just going for feeling alone, I really love the 24%. Uh, Bacopa that we have, our generic, the ND24%. Um, it has, when we first came out with it and we had some beta tests, our operations manager, Cindy, took some and came back half an hour and was like, Emil, it gives me a pretty nice buzz. You should try some. And I <laughs> tried some too. And I had to agree. Like It really gave me a very nice, uplifted, mood-boosting, GABAergic type of effect. And I've always loved it since then. That's also one of the reasons why it went into sleep support. Um, At the time, it was making me a little bit tired. But the interesting thing that I have noticed is just looking through Reddit, a lot of people have mentioned that they got very tired with both bacognize and Synapse, but not so much with uh, our 24%. Hmm. So I'm not sure why that is either.
0: Yeah. I
1: remember a few years ago,
0: I started taking Bacognize, and I think I, I started feeling the built up tiredness effect pretty quickly mm-hmm. and pretty quickly decided, no, this is not for me. It was really relaxing and really nice at first. And then after maybe a week or two, I thought, oh gosh, this is not going in the direction that I want. So I stopped taking it. Yeah. Um, and I haven't taken Bacognize since then just because I have no problem falling asleep. So that's not <laughs> really something I need in terms of supplementation in my life. Um I do definitely feel this euphoric feeling and maybe there's one thing that I notice, which is that it feels like colors are a little bit brighter. Interesting. Yeah. That could also be because it's a beautiful day outside. But I do think that there's there's a bit of a different sensory experience um that I have with this Bacopa extract. It's not as dramatic as it is with cognance. Mm-hmm. With cognance, um it feels like the world is full of flowers. (laughs) It feels like there's a different kind of sensory perception that I have in terms of visual perception and, um, yeah, feeling sensation and relaxation um, that I don't really get from the regular Bacopa extracts and not from the 24%. But now that you're talking about the specific reasons why Cognance is different and, and how you kind of got on the inspiration train To creating Cognance, it makes sense that the effects are quite distinct Mm -hmm. from the regular bacopa extracts.
1: They are very different, and I think that kind of gets us in the perfect position to talk about the process that went into making Cognance, Uh, and we have already done an episode about Cognance, and we'll go way more in-depth in that episode.
0: And we can link it down below if anyone is curious to hear really the specifics about the process. In creating Cognance.
1: But we'll do a quick overview here. Yeah. So basically, one of the things that got me very interested in Cognance, the process behind Cognance, is because I was interested in a compound called eblin-lactone. And the reason why I was interested in eblin-lactone is because in my research, it was maybe one of the only things out there, natural and not regulated things out there that was acting specifically on the 5-HD2A serotonin receptor. And that's where a lot of those sensory perception enhancing effects are coming from. It's where a lot of, um, yeah, microdose-esque type of effects are coming from, but also unique mood boost, unique effects on focus, uh, mood and motivation and those sort of things. And I was always curious, could we basically make a non-lethargic And my plan was then, yeah, we can, we just have to go for ebilin-lactone, because ebilin-lactone doesn't seem to have an effect on GABA, and it doesn't seem to have an effect on cortisol, and because of that, it shouldn't be very calming. So at the time, this was many years ago, um, I was asking some companies if they could synthesize ebilin-lactone, and it was insanely expensive, it would have never worked. But then I also realized that ebilin-lactone is always being produced in our bodies. And it's probably what's giving Bacopa monary a lot of its interesting effects. Now, the one thing I will have to say is... So, it's happening in our bodies. We are producing avalanine lactone within our body. We just took this, what now, an hour and a half ago or so? I'm not sure how quickly this actually goes. So, clearly, in about 45 minutes, we started feeling something. According to a lot of the research, the bacocytes... So specifically bacoside A3, bacopasapinin C, bacopaside 2 and bacopaside X, some of the other ones. They shouldn't be passing the blood-brain barrier and they shouldn't be absorbing very well in the gut. Um, part of the reason for this, and we went into this in quite in depth in the Cognance podcast and also in the blog, is because they, these compounds have a lot of sugar groups on them. Um, so you call these glycosides. So a lot of compounds in nature are linked to these glucose groups and glucose groups add molecular weight and make the compounds bigger and a bigger compound cannot absorb very well. So one thing that happens with a lot of these glycosides is that when you consume them, the glucose group falls off and then they become smaller in size and they can more readily absorb. We also talked about this with cyanidin-3-glucoside. You have cyanidin, it's being bound to a glucoside, and when you consume it, most of that glucose group is being ripped off and you're getting cyanidin, and it's probably the cyanidin that's active, not the cyanidin-3-glucoside specifically. Same thing here. The bacocides are not necessarily going to be pharmacologically active, but the Aglycons, when the uh, glucose groups get ripped off those compounds can easily absorb and can easily pass the blood-brain barrier and will probably produce those effects so when we took the um, bacopa 24 percent bacopa glycosides i think that's maybe our standardization too it meant that once it hit our stomach and it started to dissolve it immediately started to be hydrolyzed, both by just the water and acid that's in our stomach, but also by bacteria. And this is where a lot of interpersonal differences will come from, too. So you have a different microbiome than me and um, you have a different microbiome than us. So. Every time we take something like this that's dependent on something happening after the fact, there's going to be variability. Maybe you are producing way more jujobogenin and pseudo-jujobogenin from those bacacides than I am. Maybe I am producing them more slowly, so I get a slower ramp-up in effects. Mm. That might explain some of the differences we're having with it. Um, but basically that's what's happening. You get these very big Sugar group-ridden compounds—they're falling off, and then you have the base compound, and the base compounds are jujubogenin and pseudojujubogenin, and that's the same thing with sisyphus jujuba. Those jujuba sides are basically jujubogenin with sugar groups arranged in a different way than baccaside A, and that's why it is a different compound. So, even though it is a different compound. Is jujoboside A having a pharmacological effect? Or is it only a precursor to jujobogenin? And is bacoside A having a pharmacological effect? Or is it only a precursor to jujobogenin? And in my opinion, it's probably only a precursor to jujobagina. That's why the effects don't kick in after like 15 or 30 minutes, which you sometimes have with compounds that just get to work right away. Like if you take dynamine, for example, I can feel that in 15 minutes. Caffeine I can feel in half an hour or so. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of metabolism that has to happen to that. But with Bacopa, it took a little bit longer. But around 45 minutes, an hour, I really started feeling it. But it's still ramping up a little mm. bit now. Um, it's still getting a little bit stronger. The muscle relaxing effects are getting a little bit stronger. I feel now very calm. Um, so And the paradoxical stimulation has kind of died down. So that's, okay. that's kind of interesting. Um, but it does mean that things are changing and you are dependent on those bacopa glycosides likely turning into the aclicons but with that in mind i thought can we not just do that in a laboratory setting can we not uh, instead of relying on your bodies to do that work and then kind of being at the whims of interpersonal variability Mm -hmm. there in your microbiome and stomach acidity and all of that can we skip that process and can we do it in a way where we can even skip jujobogenin and pseudo So jujobogenin and pseudo are likely what are causing the GABAergic and cortisol modulating effects, and that can make you tired. But jujobogenin and pseudo after further acid hydrolysis, turn into the bacogenins which is also what Synapse was talking about back in the day. So they must have known something is happening there as well, but they're just not very transparent about it. But you go from jujobogene and pseudo and then you have Evelyn lactone baccogene in A1. It's Bacogene in A1 through A5, I believe, and I think Evelyn lactone is bacogene in A4. So can you take those bacocytes, turn them into jujubogenin, pseudo jujubogenin, and then turn them into ebilin-lactone and the other bacogenins? The answer is yes. And one way we found this out was we worked together with an Australian company we said, hey, can you do this? This is a really crazy thing, but basically we want to pre-metabolize bacopa We want to expose it to an initial hydrolysis step and then an acid hydrolysis step to go from baccides to and pseudo and to ablein to the baccogenins. They said, sure, we can do that. Easy peasy. Well, it wasn't. And the first extract they made was incomplete. So we had a mixture of probably no more baccides because I think that step is quite easy ripping off. Uh, glucose groups is really easy, Um, it it happens all the time. If you look at studies for cyanidin-3-glucoside, for example, that is only one glucose group, but if you look at radio-labeled cyanidin-3-glucoside, there is no more glycoside after a while, and it all turns into cyanidin at a certain point. Probably the same thing with the bacocide, so that step is really easy. And when it came to us, the Eblin lactone concentration, we were hoping it would be 10%, but it was way lower. And when we tried it, to me, it felt like COPA24%. That kicked in very quickly and had a little bit of an extra interesting sparkle to it. So it felt quite GABAergic in like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You can immediately feel this GABAergic effect and then this kind of sensory enhancement effect. At the time, we were really trying to go for this microdose type of effect. I was not convinced by it. We did some testing. We found that it was incomplete. We talked with the partners in Australia and they said, yeah, it was incomplete. We have to go back to the drawing board and try and do it more complete. So then the second batch came. Oh, and and that batch did make you tired definitely made you tired more quickly and more profoundly even than Bacopa 24%. So So you definitely don't want that. Yeah, complete failure, but an interesting experiment there. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people really liked that one, by the way, uh, because it, it did feel different than just Bacopa by itself. And then we got the second one. And the second one was interesting because when a lot of people tried it, They were expecting to feel kind of the same thing they felt with that previous one, but stronger. But I already had in my mind that it's probably not going to do that. It's going to be more laser beam focused, there's going to be something very interesting going on there, which you've never felt before, but you have to kind of be tuned into what's going on, and for the average layman person, it's maybe not going to be the easiest effect to pick up on, because it is going to be quite subtle, and it is going to be very microdose-like. Um, So when it came, it had exactly this effect. The owner and I immediately picked up on it and we said, yes, this is exactly what we were going for. No more galergic effects, super clean, cognitive enhancing nootropics, super interesting. Some of our colleagues were not so impressed by it though, and they liked the other one more. But we knew now, and this really confirmed that the jujobogenin and pseudo compounds are very GABAergic and are causing a lot of the lethargy, and we can just completely skip those. So when it's happening in your body, there's no way to skip that. You are generating jujobogenin and pseudo and you are going to absorb those, and you are going to have those effects. There's no way around that. You are going to end up with ebilin-lactone at some point, but there's no way to just have ebilin-lactone. But that's what cognance is. Cognance is just ebulin lactone 10% percent ebulin lactone and then the other stuff is likely the other bacogenins, which also have interesting effects. Um, but yeah, that's that's cognance and why you respond well to cognance and not necessarily to Bagopa 24%.
0: Yeah, amazing. It's It's really fascinating to hear you talk about the process and to follow each part. And the creativity, actually, and the stick-to-itiveness that it takes to get from a really traditional botanical, like Bacopa, especially in these really um, intense and intensely relaxing and sometimes intensely um, sleepiness inducing extracts to something that's really completely devoid of that effect, mm-hmm. and something that has um, maybe what we're hoping for to get to in the center of the extract. Mm-hmm. so to speak, which is the cognition benefits.
1: Exactly. So yeah, it is actually a very creative process. Often with science, you have to think outside of the box and you have to think together with nature. And I think that that is really the approach I'm oftentimes going for. So instead of going, nah, nature doesn't know what it's doing. I can do it better. I can just do 98% pure this or that. And and synthesize it in a lab. Yeah, we can do that and we do that and it's it's great to do that. But sometimes that's not possible and that means you have to basically consult with nature and look what is nature doing and it's making these glycoside compounds that are breaking down in our bodies. Is this something that was planned by design? I don't think so. I don't believe in that kind of stuff, but it is interesting that these things are going on in nature, we can learn from that, and we can replicate that Mm -hmm. in a very nature-adjacent way. So we can take modern science, modern techniques, analytical techniques, um, acid hydrolysis techniques, and apply them to natural extracts to kind of elevate those to the next level. And that's what we did with Cognance.
0: It reminds me of what you talk about, which is that science can be an art, and that like you're saying, emulating nature or just taking some wisdom from nature, what's already there. And then from that point, jumping off and being creative with how you can get to an effect that is you know, beneficial. You leave some of the things behind that you don't want. And mm. it still is true to the, the kind of traditional uses of the botanical as well.
1: Yeah. And especially if you look at some of the research of CDRI-08, where they were clearly somehow I don't know how they were doing it, but they were prioritizing the bacogenins. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at simulated pharmacokinetic studies, the bacogenins, including ebilin-lactone, then have superior bioavailability and bioactivity. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to go for those. And we get those anyways, but just skipping some of the GABAergic effects. Yeah. That does mean that for some people, like myself, who actually really enjoy the GABAergic effects of Bacopa24%, you're missing something. Mm-hmm. So going back and forth, so having taken Cognans for the last, like since the release, which I think is about nine months ago, we took it since the release, but two a month and a half ago, we, well, two months ago, we stopped taking it with a bit of a washout period to then go into Bacopa Monieri. Having that experience of like seven months of Cognance and now a month and a half of Bacopa 24%, I am clearly missing something that Cognance is producing. Mm. Like there is a sparkle, there is a mood boost, there is a sensory enhancement and focus enhancement and clarity of mind that is nowhere near 24% Bacopa. Like Mm -hmm. it is not even funny comparing the two. Um, When it comes to my mental state and the, the type of relaxation and stress management I need, 24% Bacopa is amazing. Uh, It's probably, and I have a hard time admitting this to myself, because I've been a long-time ashwagandha fan. I've taken it for probably eight years at this point, almost daily. uh, Shodan being my recent favorite for the last four years or so since we came out with it. And I've basically always taken it. It's always been my favorite for balancing stress levels. But I think now, especially in this new environment, Bacopa 24% has kind of taken the crown. So I've dropped my Shodan. I'm just taking this and I'm feeling great on it. Uh, I'm getting some of the benefits of Cognance, but I'm missing that sparkle. So my next step is actually going to be to do the 24% Bacopa and stack it with Cognance. So getting a more full spectrum effect, getting more of those um, jujobarginin, pseudo-jujobarginin, GABAergic and stress-modulating effects and stacking them with the more 5-HT2A effects of cognance and the muscarinic acetylcholine effects of cognance. And you can hear all about that in our Cognance episode and the Cognance blog. But it, it really gives a unique effect. Um, it's subtle in a weird way. If you really take it and you think you're going to go on an adventure with it like uh, you won't it is subtle in a sense um, but it is almost like alexander Shulgin said at one point pharmacological tofu like it can make <laughs> other things work better yeah um, so for example if you take cognance and you stack it together with saffron saffron works better and cognance works better and there's more of this sensory enhancement effect and same thing if you stack subroxy and cognance together both of them work better so it is a really unique one in that sense that the effects are subtle but they're pronounced mm-hmm. and they are very uh, good to work into stacks bacopa 24 percent attracts way more attention to itself it's mm-hmm. like the bigger batter version of cognance um i would say if any of you are really into wines like sometimes you have a wine that is super oaky and super concentrated and you drink it and it's just like you're getting clubbed over the head with red wine flavor and then wood it's, juice wood That's juice. We call it sometimes um, and sometimes it's impressive and it's fun especially when it's a little bit cold out and it's one of those comforting wines um, but sometimes you want one that's more subtle, takes a little bit more time to get to know and you smell it and there's more aromatic complexities going or on. Or rock juice, as we like to or call rock it. rock juice, <laughs> very mineral heavy wines. Yeah. So we're recently into wines from Savoy, <laughs> if yeah. you're also a wine nerd, which can be very mineralic, but also have very interesting aromatics. I would say in this scenario, the Bacopa 24% is like that big wood juice um, Mm -hmm. wine comforting like it just it makes you feel good you just drink it and it just kind of puts a smile on your face but Mm -hmm. it doesn't really engage some of the higher centers of your brain to think a little bit more deeply as opposed to cognance which i would say is more
0: similar to the rock juice side (laughs) and perhaps a yura or a savoy wine which has Mm -hmm. A lot more subtlety and some great aroma and definitely a lot of variety in yeah, how the mouthfeel might be. Just there's a detail and there's a there's a beautiful fine quality to this kind of wine, but also to the kind of effects that we get from cognance that you are just not going to get from a traditional bacopa
1: extract. Yeah. So I would say as a beginner, you've never taken Bacopa and you really want to experience some big, robust, remarkable effects that don't have a lot of complexity and don't necessarily enhance cognition as much, then Bacopa 24% is great. It's Mm -hmm. really good and I really love it. But if you want... A more complex effect you've been around nootropics for a lot longer you're looking for that really unique thing to kind of push the boundaries of what's possible with natural supplements cognance is kind of unbeatable in my opinion i
0: think so too or if you're a person who just can't handle the the super calming effect of the bacopa 24 percent or our other bacopa extracts because that tired, you know, lethargy-inducing effect can be really frustrating. And it turned me off from Bacopa for a mm-hmm. very long time until I started again, taking Cognance, and again, still. Yeah. Um, but Cognance, I don't have that problem with at all. And I, I'm glad that I can experience the benefits
1: from Cognance because I think Bacopa is a really fascinating botanical. Yeah. And again, if you do really like those effects, you can take it at night. And mm-hmm. It enhances your sleep quality and it has nootropic effects. And that's kind of where things start getting more complex and interesting. But before we get there, it has now been about half an hour maybe Mm -hmm. since you took the cyanidin-3-glucoside. Are you noticing anything different?
0: Well, I'm starting to get hungry. But I mean, that might not be just from the cyanidin-3-glucoside. It could also be from the fact that we've been Filming the podcast for almost two hours, but I do I do notice some stimulation. I notice that I'm starting to feel hungry. I notice
1: that I have which I get from cyanidin three glucoside. Yeah, like I, I, I do too. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's definitely um, an effect that I noticed when I was taking it every day. Um, I do think that it has kind of perked me up a little bit more. I feel more awake. I don't have this kind of heavy feeling around my eyes and like. My head, that's something I get sometimes from Bacopa. Um, this feeling of sleepiness and it just kind of like is concentrated around this part of my body. I think from the cyanidin three glucoside, I'm feeling like it's easier to sit up straight and I feel a little bit more motivated. I have a little bit more of that edge that I like to have mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a nice combination and, and I think I could feel it actually coming up over time. And as I was listening to you talk about the process of going from a traditional Bacopa extract to Cognance, I was able to follow along the whole time, stay engaged. And I think that the cyanidin-3-glucoside, that stimulation definitely helps to balance out the relaxation of the Bacopa. Because when I feel that kind of like super chill lethargy-inducing effect from bacopa, it makes it hard to focus. So having that stimulation from cyanidin-3-glucoside then kind of brings me back in, Mm -hmm. which is really good. And it's it's not having this kind of... um, over-the-top effect like I don't feel like I need to run and use the bathroom I definitely feel a little bit warmer that might just be the environment
1: but that's definitely something Sanadin-3-glucoside has I don't know if you can see it on the camera Mm -hmm. but there is some sweat beating on my forehead because it is a little bit warm in this room Mm -hmm. it's summer you don't have AC in the Netherlands in the summer so this room is quite warm Mm -hmm. um and cyanidin-3-glucoside definitely has thermogenic effects, it's mm-hmm. something we talk about in the podcast. But it is really, like, I've been taking cyanidin-3-glucoside and you haven't, and mm-hmm. I've noticeably been sweating more. Yeah, although
0: um, I don't sweat much at all, generally But speaking. I normally don't either. Yeah. So normally no. I'm,
1: I'm not sweating very mm-hmm. often, but when I take cyanidin-3-glucoside, especially in this more humid climate, mm-hmm. I sweat a lot. Yeah. Um, and especially, like, I hardly ever get sweat on my forehead yeah. in that kind of area. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of my body still feels I mean, kind of dry. when we're eating
0: Szechuan food, we definitely <laughs> do. But that's like, that can be pretty extreme in terms of spiciness. Yes, yeah. then,
1: then for sure. But normally, yeah. so I think that's something to the thermogenic effects of yeah. sanna and 3-glucoside. But one interesting thing pharmacologically with Bacopa is that it can dampen norepinephrine levels in the mm. brain. I think this is also why it's not a good fit for certain people. A lot of people actually need a little bit more norepinephrine. It's good for mood, um, it's good for motivation, it's good for feeling focused and engaged. So some people actually notice negative mood effects when they take normal bacopa extracts. And part of that might be because it is dampening norepinephrine. But if you look at it in terms of stress, norepinephrine also can go up when you're stressed together with cortisol and other stress hormones and that can make you feel kind of stimulated and on edge and then if you're stacking that with something like Sanadin-3-glucoside which is preventing much of the breakdown of norepinephrine then that effect can get really extreme and I think that's something I was experiencing because I was taking Sanadin-3-glucoside target milk which is likely increasing uh, norepinephrine a little bit Um, the cold showers which definitely increase norepinephrine and then also just experiencing a lot of daily stress with work and just general life being uh, settling down here again and that kind of made it go over the top for me Mm -hmm. when i introduced bacopa normal bacopa that started to get better but still a little bit over the top so then i started stacking uh, or I actually took away cyanidin-3-glucoside and tiger milk in the cold showers and then just Bacopa and then it was good and then I started getting a little bit tired then I added back in cyanidin-3-glucoside and it was perfect. So there's a nice balancing effect on norepinephrine there. Um, and in terms of, for caffeine for example caffeine can produce spikes in dopamine and norepinephrine which can make you feel a little bit jittery and Bacopa can actually prevent that from happening. So that's another good way to use it. If you have some caffeine in your system and it's making you jittery, Bacopa monnieri might be good to smooth it out, similar to L-theanine. So maybe like a more nootropic L-theanine in that sense. Another thing Bacopa is doing is it is modulating serotonin quite a bit. Um, so you have this enzyme called a tryptophan hydroxylase, which takes dietary L-tryptophan that we get from protein sources, And tryptophan hydroxylase takes L-tryptophan, hydroxylates it, and turns it into 5-hydroxytryptophan, 5-HTP. And then 5-HTP is turned into serotonin. So that's how you end up with serotonin. Tryptophan hydroxylase is what you call a rate-limiting enzyme. So it can get saturated pretty quickly. You can keep throwing L-tryptophan at it, but it won't keep um, metabolizing or turning L-tryptophan into hydroxylated L-tryptophan in order to make more serotonin. The process going from 5-HTP to serotonin is not rate limited. So if you end up with 5-HTP, you can make not unlimited amounts of um, serotonin, but much more by taking something like Bacopa, you can actually increase the capacity to make more serotonin from dietary sources. And I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So this extra serotonin can then have a very interesting mood boosting effect too. Um, But another interesting attribute of Bacopa monieri is that it seems to enhance serotonin transporter density. So this is something that usually when we're enhancing serotonin levels, we are blocking the serotonin transporter. So the serotonin transporter usually takes the serotonin away from the synaptic left and back into the neuron. So it's kind of fascinating that the Copa is both enhancing serotonin levels by speeding up its synthesis, but additionally, it is also enhancing the clearance of serotonin by enhancing the density of the serotonin transporter. If you've been around long enough you might know of one other compound that might actually have a serotonin transporter density enhancing effect we won't mention that on here Um, the FDA does not like that one but this can also have an interesting mood boosting effect basically being able to release serotonin and get rid of it more quickly while also having more serotonin around so that can kind of get around some of the negatives that you might have with blocking the serotonin transporter, because not everyone responds well to serotonin transporter blockade, but you still get the benefit of more serotonin, which some people can definitely react well to. Another thing in terms of serotonin that's happening with Bacopa monnieri is that it seems to kind of act almost as an adaptogen at the 5-HT2C serotonin receptor. So when 5-HT2C levels are going way up, it can normalize the 5-HT2C levels. And that's interesting because 5-HT2C controls dopamine release, it is a big player in mood, but also in gavaergic activity throughout the brain. So I think that's a fascinating aspect of the serotonergic effects too. Another thing it does, which... I'm having a bit of a hard time wrapping my head exactly around what this is doing, um, is it is enhancing the density of the 5-HT3A receptor. If you've been around long enough, you probably also know that ginger is a very famous 5-HT3A antagonist. Mm. So it is by antagonizing the 5-HT3A receptor, it is... Preventing nausea from happening because when serotonin binds to the 5 HC3A receptor, it can actually um, produce nausea. So, blocking it is a good thing to do to prevent nausea from happening. But on the other hand, 5 HC3A is also important for neuroplasticity and for mood and memory. So, it seems that part of the beneficial effects, especially on memory too, with Bacopa monnieri, are maybe due to the 5 HC3A density-enhancing effects, coupled with the tryptophan hydroxylase enzyme-activity-enhancing effects and enhancing the density of the serotonin transporter. So there's a lot of interesting serotonergic stuff going on there. And then if you look at cognance, cognance is acting as a positive allosteric modulator at the 5-HT2A serotonin receptor. The one thing I'm not completely um, sure of is... Which compound in Bacopa monnieri is enhancing the tryptophan hydroxylase activity and increasing the density of the serotonin transporter? Are those effects still in Cognans as well? And based on my experience with Cognans, I don't think so. And based with my experience with uh, regular Bacopa, I do think that's really happening. So maybe that's what the Jujobogenin and pseudo is doing. And I, I think I actually read a study about Sisyphus jujuba, where they showed that through Jujobojinin there is some modulation of serotonergic activity. So I think that's maybe one other aspect. Uh, combining Bacopa 24% or Synapsa or Bacognis together with Cognans could result in some very interesting synergy, which is kind of mind-blowing to think about, that two different extracts or two different processes of the same plant, when combined, could actually have synergistic effects. And I think you see this oftentimes too, sometimes, like a certain compound is being extracted and concentrated and then being added back in. For example, Subroxy, I think they are making a much stronger roxalin A extract and maybe even turning some of the Bicalene into roxalin A and then adding the roxalin A back in. I've never actually been able to verify this, but reading through some of the Subroxy patents, it seems that that's maybe what they're doing. So instead of just going with pure roxalan A, they are mixing it back with the source material to create a more full-spectrum effect, and that seems to be working in their favor. So maybe combining Cognans together with Bacopa moneri, especially something like the 24%, could be a very interesting way of synergizing the plant with two different components. Absolutely, and
0: we talked about this in last month's podcast episode, Mm -hmm. which was about lion's mane mycelium, and you talked about a nice stack idea, which was the lion's mane 8 to Mm 1, and then to stack it with the lion's mane mycelium. And that sounds like a really interesting uh, stack. Still haven't had a chance to try it yet, but Mm. that's the same concept, right? To get something that's more full spectrum and to still get the benefits of both distinct extracts.
1: or distinct products and there you have something different happening you have two different life cycles that are producing two different compounds here in a sense you have two different life cycles too one that's the plant itself and Mm -hmm. one that's the plant after it's been through a human body
0: yeah or that's the sort of effect that is happening with the hydrolysis and the acid hydrolysis for cognates
1: yeah yeah um, but yeah, I think that's, that's interesting. If you take into account all of those serotonergic effects, then the 5-HC2A positive allosteric modulator effects of Cognans and the muscarinic acetylcholine positive allosteric modulator effects, the M1 positive allosteric modulator effects of Cognans, together with some of those serotonergic effects of regular bacopa, I think makes for a really interesting stack. Mm-hmm. Another thing that it's doing is it is dampening and regulating HPA axis activity. So that's kind of the the stress center of the brain. And it is controlling cortisol and corticosterone and other stress hormones. So in that sense, Bacopa is a real adaptogen because it is modulating stress levels um, through actually acting on the stress hormones. And I think that's why I really like Bacopa 24%. Uh, and I might even am liking it a little bit more than Shodan I think Shodan has a slightly stronger effect on cortisol Bacopa 24% less so and I think a slightly stronger GABAergic effect so For stress, it's almost like a little bit of a milder thing than shodan, so I think when stress levels are really high, I would switch back to shodan. When stress levels are kind of like parked nicely where they are now, not too high, not too low, bacopa is working perfectly, especially with something like cyanidin-3-glucoside, enhancing norepinephrine levels a little bit, and this keeping that in check. so that's, that's the adaptogenic effect, together with the serotonergic effects, definitely is going to have an interesting mood-boosting adaptogenic effect. And then we get to GABA, and it's doing a really interesting thing with GABA. It is enhancing GABA receptor density, according to some studies. And I think this is also why some people take Bacopa to the 24%, the Bacognize, the synapse, and they feel fine on it for a week. And then they start getting tired. Mm. So one thing that's happening after that week, cortisol levels might be really low, that might be making you tired. But another thing, GABA receptor density is going up, you start becoming more sensitive to the effects of GABA. Some people, when they take GABAergic supplements, they simply get really tired. So they might already have fairly high GABA receptor density. And someone like myself, who clearly doesn't have very high GABA receptor density and is very receptive to GABAergics. I can basically take a GABAergic at any point in the day, never feel tired, and it always makes me feel better. Otherwise, I feel a little bit on edge. So a GABAergic is always part of my stack. And something like Bacopa Monnieri is then very interesting because it is actually increasing the density of GABA receptors, making me more sensitive potentially to other GABAergics, but also to my body's own GABA. And I think that's also a reason why maybe I'm now a little bit more sensitive to the GABAergic effects of shodan and the combination makes me tired. So that's another thing to keep in mind. If you are taking Bacopa and you're taking other gabergics, Bacopa might be making you more sensitive to the other gabergics, And with that in mind, maybe Bacopa isn't necessarily making you sleepier other existing GABAergic supplements are just making you sleepier because you're more sensitive to them. But I think for a long-term GABAergic option, um, Bacopa is very interesting, Mm -hmm. especially because through Jujabagin and Pseudo-Jujabagin, it also seems to have a very direct GABAergic effect.
0: Yeah. This reminds me of when I took GABA, just plain Mm -hmm. GABA by itself, and I really didn't enjoy it. It was not my favorite feeling, (laughs) Um, although it did make me feel kind of giddy in some way or slightly giggly, but the physical effect was not so pleasant for me. I found it to be a little bit too relaxing and similar to the Bacopa 24%. It kind of makes me feel like I'm sitting on a very comfy couch, even if I'm just going about my daily life. And that's not really a feeling that I like to have um, because it takes away some of the clarity that I like to experience.
1: And that's kind of when we go back to the wine analogy, but mm-hmm. the big woody wood soup, comforting big bold wine with little complexity, kinda that sitting on the couch kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the Bacopa. It it has a very enveloping effect. And same thing with the GABA. And I personally really like that effect. If I'm stacking it with other things, that is adding that kind of more focus and complexity and clarity back in. Yeah. If I were to just take Bacopa 24%, it wouldn't be my favorite. And Cognance would provide that mm-hmm. just by itself, taking nothing else. But yeah. in stacks, it works well, and I think stacking it together with Cognance is going to work well too.
0: So, speaking of stacks, since we've talked, well, you've talked extensively about the pharmacology of Bacopa,
1: mm-hmm. um, we've well, covered some things. So well, I think we do things. the last just pharmacology, yeah, thing, what, if what you can else? bear with of me course, a little bit course. longer. What, I know it can next? get a little bit in that. The one thing with Bacopa is that you have to take it for at least two to four weeks to start noticing the memory enhancing effects. And this is because through those GABAergic pathways, serotonergic pathways, but also direct effects on increasing BDNF levels, Bacopa has a neuroplasticity enhancing effect. And neuroplasticity is a physical process that takes some time, but it helps enhance memory. But because it takes some time, the memory enhancing effects of Bacopa do take quite a bit longer to kick in. Most people notice it after about four weeks. So you have to basically take it for a month. If you can handle the relaxing GABAergic effects, great. You're going to have an amazing time for four weeks, and then you're going to get these great memory boosts. If that is not your cup of tea, you're not going to have a great four weeks, and then you're better off looking at something like Cognance or taking the Bacopa at night because those neuroplasticity effects build up over time. You can take it at night, benefit from the sleep-promoting effects, and still get the memory-enhancing effects. Do so, you think
0: that the memory-enhancing effects go away when you stop taking Bacopa?
1: It will be there for maybe another month or two. Okay. And then it will probably start to go down a little bit. But mm-hmm. that neuroplasticity, once you kickstart that process it's going to be around for quite a bit okay so you could also maybe take it for a month and then not for two weeks and then a month and then not for two weeks although i wouldn't necessarily recommend that just if you handle it well just keep taking it the one thing i notice so if i take cognance i feel like my short-term memory is a little bit better Um, i feel a little bit sharper and after some time my long-term memory definitely improves significantly One thing I don't have with Cognance that I do have with Bacopa Monieri and other people have with Bacopa Monieri is that I can just be sitting somewhere and get a whiff of a smell or hear a song or just like feel some sort of emotion that then causes a memory to flash into my head from like 10, 20 years ago.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Which... Is kind of a novelty. And you hear yeah. other people talking about this with Bacopa. Like you might just be sitting around and just have an old memory flash into your head with extreme vividness. Wow. Uh, fun. Yeah. Maybe good for emotional health. But in terms of the nootropics effects, not super useful. Yeah. It is allowing me to remember things more clearly, uh, work-related. So mm-hmm. it definitely has a beneficial nootropic effect. But I actually think that the memory-enhancing effects of Cognance mm-hmm. are more streamlined. I don't have that weird effect with with it, so that's good. Another thing I'm noticing after taking it for like a month and a half is my dreams are much more vivid. <laughs> Uh, and in my dreams, there are old memories there sometimes. Um, okay. so I, but I, I've been having it recently. It just, I smelled something the other day and it just took me back like 20 years, very vividly. Um, it's cool. Yeah. But very cool. If that's not your cup of tea, then Bacopa. Yeah. But it can be cool, especially if you're trying to remember some old stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you have fond memories with people that aren't around anymore and you can think back to those days and remember it. that might help with an emotional healing process or mm-hmm. something if you've lost a loved one. I can imagine it could be kind of therapeutic in that sense. Yeah. Um, but it is something I consistently hear with Bacopa. I do think it is kind of... Something that speaks to the memory enhancing effects, even yeah. enhancing memories that you've already made okay. and are just in the background, yeah. and now they're coming out more. That's I really never great. had that with Cognance after months of taking it, mm-hmm. but with Cognance, my short term memory, my more functional memory is significantly better. Um, and I think with that in mind, combining the two would be interesting because clearly. Not all of the memory-enhancing effects are coming from eblin-lactone and other bacogenins. Mm -hmm. There is also something in bacopa that is doing that. And we've mainly talked about the saponins, the bacocides, but there are also alkaloids in there and different compounds that there's no reference standards for it, no one's standardizing for them, but there is a lot more in bacopa than just the bacocides. So those things might get destroyed during acid hydrolysis because... Mm -hmm. Not everything is stable during acid hydrolysis. So with that in mind, you might be getting something in Bacopa that is further memory enhancing that you're not getting in Cognance, but Cognance is cleaner, it's more functional, it has this unique sparkle and mood boosting effect that you just don't really get with Bacopa 24% Mm -hmm. or um, Cognance or or Cognac. Cognizant, wait,
0: backognize, <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: or synapse. Okay, um, and and I think just also to summarize it, since we have kind of gone through all of the pharmacology, mm-hmm. now choosing an extract. Yeah, I think um, synapsa, Bacognize, and bacopa twenty four percent are all going to be more similar than not. Okay, they're all gonna produce. calming effect if you have the if you are lethargy prone they're probably all not going to be the best fit for you during the day Mm -hmm. they're all going to have a slightly more robust GABAergic and serotonergic effect Um, and then it's just about different strengths and slightly different effects so i think just the strongest overall is clearly the Bacopa 24%. It is very strong. You will definitely notice that if you take it, mm-hmm. it might be too much for you. Yeah. Bacognize, I feel like, is kind of the, the middle of the road Bacopa. It's not super specialized. Um, it kind of just feels like Bacopa 24%, but turned down a notch and maybe ever so slightly more mood boosting, but I personally get the most mood boost from Bacopa 24%, but that is one thing I've seen going for Bacognize. So I might be making Bacognize seem like a boring product, but I think for a lower standardization, maybe slightly more full spectrum product, Bacognize is very interesting and it is definitely good if something like the Bacopa 24% is too strong for you, then Bacognize would be a perfect fit synapsa is kind of going a little bit more in the direction of cognance. okay it is a little bit more specialized there is many many years of extraction knowledge and standardization knowledge and research there and they seem to somehow be focusing on the back of genins, which would include Evelyn lactone a lot of people mention that synapsa is significantly less lethargy inducing although for most there is still a lethargy effect with it but it has a little bit more of that sparkle that cognance has. But it's not there it's like maybe 5% of the way there when compared to cognance. Cognance is a whole different thing. So then that brings us to cognance. Yeah. Cognance being you don't respond well to bacopa to the relaxing effects. You don't want to take it at night and you want to take something during the day that has a very unique, complex kind of you really have to think about it and it makes you think about it and it makes you process things differently it has a sensory enhancement effect you kind of want that next level of bacopa then cognance is clearly for you if you want kind of a big robust punchy effect again look towards something like 24% bacopa it will kick in harder if you know what you want to experience if you've been around the tropics for a long time just go for the cognance. I think you will be very impressed with it. Just don't expect to be cruising away on a missile somewhere. Yeah. Then look more for something like Bacopa, 24%. Like it can be very kind of jarring when it first kicks in. When it first yeah. kicked in early in the podcast after 45 minutes, I thought, oh yeah, there it goes. And I never really have that with Cognans, but Mm -hmm. with Cognans, you will stop yourself at a certain point and just go, wow, Like everything is so much more vibrant and Mm -hmm. I feel more focused and clear-headed and clarity. I think it is the superior nootropic um, and it's way easier to stack with. And I think people that are taking something like Cognans are likely more advanced nootropic users and they are combining Cognans in a stack of other things. So... It's easier to stack with, it, it, can especially if you have a really large stack, Cognance is superior, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but that's kind of like a, a quick breakdown of all of them. Um, ranking them from Strength, Bacopa, 24%, then probably Bacognize, Synapsa. And then you have Cognance here in its own little world, yeah. because it's not the same thing at all.
0: No, definitely not. So... That was an incredible amount of information and detail and description. You really covered all of the bases for the benefits that we can expect from Bacopa, as well as the differences between the products that we offer. And I think this will be a really helpful guide for anyone who is looking for a Bacopa supplement, perhaps for the first time, or if you have tried one of our products, one of our Bacopa extracts, and you're looking for something a little bit different Um, this is super helpful. And it's really amazing to be able to compare a couple of different extracts to each other because there is a lot of this pharmacology talk and the benefits that we just wouldn't explore if it weren't for these different options that we have to choose from. So if you ever feel overwhelmed or if you're curious, you can always refer back to this podcast and especially this section at the end and do a little bit of a comparison for yourself ahead of time. And then of course, as we always say, Try it for yourself and really pay attention to what you notice from the supplement. And, you know, give yourself some credit also with what you're experiencing and how it might be affecting your stress levels or your mood.
1: And that you might be changing because I used to get tired from Bacopa Mm -hmm. and I was a little bit nervous taking Bacopa 24% every day and it works perfect. Mm -hmm. So even though I have had negative experiences with it in the past, like six years ago, Six years later, my brain has changed enough where this is now exactly what I'm looking for. So yeah. keep an open mind there, too.
0: Definitely. And speaking of keeping an open mind, I think it's time to get a little creative and mm-hmm. go into the last part of the podcast, which is talking about stacks that we can make with the Bacopa extracts. So I think because we've already done a podcast about cognance, we've talked about extensive stack options with Cognance, let's focus on the Bacopa 24% bacasides mm-hmm.
1: product and what would be good to stack with that. And keep in mind that I'm making stacks with the Bacopa 24%, mm-hmm. but you can do these stacks with Bacognize or Synapsa. Yeah. I'm just a little bit biased because in the realm of normal Bacopa mm-hmm. extracts, the 24% Bacopa is my favorite. Yeah so this is the one i have the most current experience with and Mm -hmm. i can suggest some nice stacks there but feel free to just like we said in that last section keep that in mind and think about that when you're choosing a different copa maybe to stack like you want a little bit more specialized effects do these stacks with synapse you Mm -hmm. want maybe a little bit more full-spectrum mood-boosting effects, choose Bacognize. If you want just the most comprehensive, strongest one, 24%. So with that in mind, one of the stacks I want to make is actually Bacopa 24%, Cognance, Mm -hmm. Saffron, and Sabroxy.
0: And for what specific purpose or what kind of overall benefit do you want from this
1: stack? Focus, mood, and memory. Okay. So this would be a very comprehensive nootropic stack that's going to hit a lot of different areas. Actually, let's make it slightly more complex. So Bacopa 24%, -hmm. cognance, Saffron, Subroxy, Cyanidin-3-glucoside. Okay. So I think some of the components in there like Subroxy and Cyanidin-3-glucoside can be really good for mood, memory... Focus, but can make people feel on edge a little mm. bit. Yeah. And you want something to kind of help dampen that. The thing to dampen it then is the Bacopa 24%. Mm-hmm. But you also want a little bit more on that sensory enhancement, the little sparkle, the mm-hmm. saffron, and the cognance will bring that. So together, yeah. that's a very comprehensive stack mm-hmm. where you're getting lots of different benefits. And also, something we didn't necessarily get all too deep into with Bacopa Moneri, but it is very neuroprotective. It has Um, inflammation and oxidation balancing effects throughout the body and in the brain. And a lot of these other things do too. Cyanidin-3-glucoside does, for example, Mm -hmm. and saffron does too. So there's a very wide spectrum of effects that can be beneficial there. So that would be my my comprehensive nootropic stack. Let's call it that. Okay. Um,
0: I think then the comprehensive nootropic stack would certainly be good for daytime it would be good for work it would be good for um you know doing work that requires a lot of focus and a lot of intensity using Mm -hmm. all of your mental capacity but on the flip side uh, to speak from personal experience and how bacopa works for me because it makes me so tired i'm going to put together a relaxation
1: and before sleep stack is it by the way Mm -hmm. it makes you very relaxed but is it a nice relaxation like is it the kind of relaxation where you're like I want to sit and watch a movie or is it like the relaxation where you're just like, I want to go to bed, please?
0: You know, in this context, I would say that it's the relaxation that makes me feel a little bit more passive. Like I find myself so relaxed that I don't feel quite as um, eager or have the urge to jump in and ask so many questions. Like I feel more comfortable just sitting back and listening. I mean, part of that's because the incredible complexity of what we're talking about. But the other part is that it does kind of tone down this sort of impulsive um, part of my personality. And there are certain situations in which I like that, but not on an everyday basis. And so Mm -hmm. that kind of relaxation is something that would fit for watching a movie or maybe going to a museum or something um, in terms of like daytime activities. But in terms of socializing it definitely makes me feel like more of an introvert because I feel more relaxed to just sit and listen and experience what's happening rather than like participate and be a part of
1: it. Mm -hmm. And
0: that's just not something that I really want in my daily stack.
1: Okay. So with that in mind, then where's your relaxation stack going?
0: So my relaxation stack would be going toward a place where like you're taking the stack before you go to sleep or you're taking Mm -hmm. the stack, before you're doing like a nighttime routine. And we often watch a movie or watch mm-hmm. a show before going to sleep. And so I think having the Bacopa 24% is definitely going to help me fall asleep. I also think that taking uh, shoden is also going to be really relaxing. And this is something I take during the daytime, but I do think the combination is going to be ultra relaxing. Mm-hmm. And then another product that I would like to take or add to this stack would be something that's really physically relaxing and there are some products that i've taken in the past as a part of my stack but at the moment mm, what's the most physically relaxing product that you can think of Mm. that comes
1: to mind first i would say the supercritical coriander but you kind of have a paradoxical stimulation effect with that sometimes or tetrahydromagnol is very good for physical relaxation yeah physical relaxation
0: or even isoliquidogenin actually could be
1: but that An can, interesting combo to me isolic retogenin is stimulating enough yeah. where it will keep me up if i take it late at night. okay so fair enough i haven't I, experimented I
0: so that. much with that one but it does just have a really pleasant and wonderful mood effect so i think in terms of like um you know going to sleep with like a nice relaxed state of mind and mood mm-hmm. that could be nice but perhaps it is a little bit too stimulating maybe some gaba Yeah, GABA. You could just go completely like stacking the GABA. So you could do the Bacopa 24%, you could do GABA, and you could do Shodan. And that Mm -hmm. would be extremely relaxing.
1: And I think that would put me to sleep pretty quickly. And I'll take that a little bit further and go for the lights out stack, which would be Bacopa 24%, supercritical coriander extract, oleamide, magnolia bark, and tetrahydromagnol. I think those together would really put you out.
0: Okay, so now let's move on to our last stack of the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. And of course, we couldn't do a Bacopa Monieri podcast without talking about a memory stack. Because yes. that's kind of the thing Bacopa Monieri is most well known for. So because Bacopa monnieri is one of the original natural nootropics, I think it would be really cool to combine it with one of the original nootropic stacks in the nootropics community, which is the Mr. Happy stack. This is a stack that combines things like Alpha GPC, fish oil and uridine that is really catered towards enhancing memory and mood as well. So I think that would stack really well with Bacopa 24%, especially because the effects of Omega Tau definitely take a few weeks to kick in as well. Um, Um, So they will both kind of be in that same trajectory where you have to take them for a while, but then over time the effects are going to get stronger and stronger. And for that, you could definitely use Bacopa 24% if you can handle the effects of Mm -hmm. Bacopa 24%. But if it makes you a little bit tired, there's two things you could do. You could either take Megatow during the day and then Bacopa 24% at night. Or you could switch out the Bacopa 24% for Cognans, of course.
0: And I was thinking, if you really wanted to take it all the way into super-mega-nootropic territory, why not just do Bacopa 24%, Cognans, and Omega Tau all together?
1: That would be great. And in that sense, too, if you react well to Bacopa 24%, take Bacopa 24%, Cognans, and Omega Tau all at the same time. If you don't respond well to Bacopa 24% during the day, but you do at night, then take Omega Tau, Cognance, and then Bacopa 24% at night. So that would be a really nice nootropic memory-enhancing synergy there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, going to the other side, combining old with new, Arinamax. Arinamax has always been one of the things that the nootropics community has been very excited about having, mm-hmm. even almost 10 years ago. But... We never really had it until now with Arinamax, where we actually have a product that is genuinely standardized to 0.5% Arinocene A. Mm-hmm. And it's having memory-enhancing effects. So combining Arinamax with Copa, 24%, and maybe even Cognans and OmegaTau, I think would make a very well-rounded, old and new-school nootropic stack. And I think that's a great one to end it on. What do you think?
0: Yeah, for sure. It's actually a combination that I think would be really interesting to try and the conversations that we've had about memory and your experience of these old memories coming, flashing back to you. It makes me want to take Bacopa 24%, but at nighttime, Mm -hmm. because I can't say that I've experienced that specific effect with a nootropic supplement before, Mm -hmm. but I want to, I really want to know what's, uh, what's kind of hiding out in the background. Um, And that's a really exciting and kind of uh, different note to end on for this podcast, because we talked a lot about the different benefits that you can experience from Bacopa supplements. And we've talked about choosing the right Bacopa supplement for you. Um, But another part of the podcast that we really love is also just sharing some of these anecdotes and our personal experience with these products with you. And I think this podcast is a really great example of how different one product can be for Emil versus mm-hmm. for me and the same thing might be with you. So if you've been taking Bacopa for a long time and you really love it, we would love to hear your experience and what that's like for you and how it's benefited you on Reddit and our Reddit is r Depot. and we also love to hear your experience with products and supplements in the YouTube comments. So definitely let us know. Uh, what you're taking, what's in your stack, and if you've tried Cognance or if you prefer one of the other Bacopa supplements. We always are excited to see what you have to say in the comments. So, thank you so much for listening to the In Search of Insight podcast. Every month it's an adventure and we get into some serious science and some serious knowledge, and we're so glad to share it with you. So, definitely subscribe, share the podcast with your friends, and get ready for a very, very full and knowledge dense podcast for next month when we return with episode 24 that's going to be two years of the in search of insight podcast and we're just going to keep going up and up from here so with that we'll say goodbye and see you next time see ya ya.
1: bye